And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report for today. It's December 7th, 2016, 75 years ago, today, Pearl Harbor. You know, it, it it's amazing how time flies, but it's also amazing to see how much has changed in the last 75 years, not necessarily for the better. And of course, we've got, uh, we've got an apologist in the in the executive branch, we got an apologist. Apologists everywhere. It's uh, it's something to to, to see. We're going to be getting into the, a lot of that later. Just want to welcome everyone listening all across North America. If you're in the Chicago area listening to this, yeah, it's coming our way. All that snow, the cold, the bitter cold all across the north. I was talking to Steve today, and it's uh, he, he said, man. It's cold, cold, cold in Montana as well. Yeah, the West Coast has a, a huge cold yep. front coming down from the north on it. We're actually not going to see temperatures anywhere near what, what the West Coast and the Midwest is seeing. Uh, I think as low as it's about to get here is in the mid-20s. Um, that's about next week you know, uh, or this weekend, if I remember right. But the guys, country's seeing wind yeah. chills like minus 30, 20, 30 degrees uh, below uh, zero, so it is cold uh, around the nation. I, I just, I, you know what? I just think the older we get, me anyway, the older I get, the, the less I like the cold and the snow. Um, maybe that's why so many retired people move to Florida or go south. You know, I, I guess. But, but anyway, you, you didn't tune in for a weather forecast. You, you tuned in for the news, and uh, just want to remind everyone: we broadcast every weeknight, seven to ten p.m. Eastern time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. It's the place to be. Uh, just give uh, give Todd and everyone at Global Star Radio Network just a round of applause. Eh, there you go. Yeah, it, it, what a great job they do in getting our voices heard all across the world, North America, South America. It's, God bless you for what you do. Also, a hat tip to uh, Blog Talk Radio as well, BTR. They do a great job. And, um, of course, YouTube Live. You can watch us on the YouTube Live. A lot of great stuff coming, a lot of great changes coming. We're, we are we are growing thanks to your support thanks to you thanks to your prayers and patience and kindness and you know it's i just want to say something um it's amazing to me the as i as we went through the emails and mail today and all of the people many many people saying uh, offering their suggestions and how we can you know, for for guests and for, for other things and how great that is, and we're 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 a family, and you know, uh, again, the conversation that Steve and I had today—it it is so amazing that there are so many great people out there, and then there are people out there who couch or consider themselves as Christians who do nothing but make it their life's work to attempt to tear down whatever they can, and to lie and to and to say, you know. Oh, Hagman and Quail, what a bunch of scammers and schemers, and oh my goodness. 
it, it's so unfortunate that 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 I had to spend uh forced to spend a couple of hours in the dregs dealing with these these imbeciles these morons these these mental midgets these these uh, you know what I'm not gonna, I'm going to stop because I'm not going to put any more adjectives there you know who you are they know who they are and it's it's so sad because you got nothing better to do, right? Than to rip, than to rip at somebody and, and people that are trying to get the word out, get the message out. We, you know, give up. We're twenty-four-seven, trying to just trying to get the information out, and 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 you have nothing better to do than to attempt to uh, take us down. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. It's getting bad, folks. It's getting bad out there with the censorship, with the, this fake news meme. And that's another word I don't like. I don't like narrative. I don't like meme. I don't get this, but it, it's, it's, it's getting bad out there with respect to, uh, the war that's against the truth. And you know, the reason what the Pope said, well, yeah, hang on, but I just want to say that the reason I want to, the reason I'm mentioning this is because when you sit down at your table, maybe your family dinner at Christmas, and especially, I believe, especially after Inauguration Day, and you all come together, I, I really feel for the people out there who are Christians and, and who are conservatives in thought, in deed, in action. who have tolerated so much over so long and, and knew, know the truth and what it is, yet are surrounded by people who don't or who refuse to accept that. And what we see here on a macro level, you're going to see on a micro level, but the effect will be the same. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough, and it is tough. You, I don't care if you're 17 or 77 or 777. It doesn't matter what your age might be. It's going to be difficult to deal with family members. It's going to be difficult to deal with friends and coworkers and, and people that you know socially. We're going to pray for you, for your strength. And for those people who, who just have nothing better to do or... And, just a desire to, to rip us down and rip other people down, other people who are trying to get the truth out there. If that's what you want to do, if that's what your life's calling is, you know, I, I'm saddened for you. What an empty life you must have. <laughs> really. How intellectually and morally and spiritually bankrupt must you be So, so when you're sitting at the table, ladies and gentlemen, with your family member or friend or coworker, and, and the chill comes over the table because they don't believe what you do, and the fake news is the is the word of the day, or you know takes takes the day. Just understand that you know you're not alone in this fight, and and we will pray for you we will pray with you 
and we'll, we're all going to get through this together. Joe, you were saying about the Pope. I, that's my message. Yeah, there's an interesting story from Yahoo.com uh, where uh, Pope Francis has come out and warned the media over the sin of spreading the fake news and smearing politicians. And this is very... The way he said this is just... Um, there's something wrong with this guy, big time. Media that focuses on scandals and spread fake news to smear politicians risk becoming like people who have a morbid fascination with excrement, Pope Francis said in an interview published Wednesday. And yes, you heard me right. Using precise psychological terms, he said scandal-mongering media risked falling prey to corporophilia, which is an arousal from oh, excrement goodness. or consuming uh, and, he, and he goes on to, to say this. Um, I think the media have to be very clear, very transparent, and not fall into, no offense intended, the sickness of corporophilia, that is, always wanting to cover scandals, covering nasty things, even if they are true. So, and so say, about, say what? Yes. He said, um, again, I'll read this again. I think the media have to be very clear, very transparent, and not fall into, no offense intended, the sickness of corporophilia that is always wanting to cover scandals, covering nasty things even if they are true. And since people wow. have a tendency toward the sickness of corporophilia, a lot of damage can be done. And um, he also went on to talk about how this... Hmm. Mean this, this, uh, the means of communication have their own temptations. They can be tempted by slander and therefore used to slander people to smear them, smear them. This above all in the world of politics, he said, they can be used as means of defamation. Well, okay. Now, now, this is kind of a good point because, ladies and gentlemen, we are, we're, and Joe, we're in the business in, in a sense of uncovering, and we've always been in the business. My, my entire, almost my entire adult life, 30 years, I've been in the business of ferreting out corruption, ferreting out, uh, uh, mm -hmm. you know, crimes, criminal activity, people doing things that, that are unlawful. Um, and this is kind of an extension of that. So we cover a lot of corporate crimes, criminality, right? No, absolutely. So, and, and he's not making the distinction here. It's one thing to cover, uh, if you're a media outlet that is just focused on a certain, you know, uh, topic or, um, you know, just one-minded, you know, always covering, you know, how, when the stock market goes bad or that's sure. the only thing you cover. I, but he's not making that distinction here. By saying that the media is not doing, um, not telling the truth when, even if their scandals are true, and these, you know, by covering truthful events. So hide it. As putting that as, um, you know, in, this, in the same category as he says of, uh, this amounting to sin for for spreading fake news or uh, eating excrement, even if the story is true, he says, covering nasty things, even if they are true, is um, he says it's a sickness. But that, what covering I mean, that or, or no covering it? He says covering it, oh boy. even if it's true. And you know, one of the biggest things uh, it, it, aren't we are we not supposed to expose the look at the Catholic darkness? Church history with with pedophilia itself, right? They have done so much to sweep the misbehavior and uh, molestation of children under the rug by sending preachers to different parishes in different states and covering up the crimes, not reporting them to police. We've seen thousands of, of 
cases of this just in the last 10 years. And, and it's been, you know, very prevalent, uh, you know, a hundred years ago even. And I, I think there's well, some worry yeah. about exposure here. Take know. no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Ephesians 5.11. And I'm not a, a biblical encyclopedia. I don't know scripture as well as I should. I admit that. I, you know, I'm, um, we're, we, we approach this from a Christian worldview, all of this. However, certainly we, we know, look, we have our failings. But uh, not especially me. But but so okay. And some and some people may say, well, isn't that what you just opened with? Well, you're open. Aren't you criticizing the very people, you know, um, who believe they're attempting to expose our misdeeds? Which okay, whatever. I, you know, I don't, it's it's not the same. I think I think what 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 we're doing here in in in. in we are attempting to to expose the deeds of darkness by the globalists, by the by the people in power, in order to fight and survive another day, and to and it's my correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but I'd like to think our efforts do create the possibility of maybe even allowing another day of normalcy for for a, a child to swing on a swing on a spring day or. Play in the snow and, and you know be a normal family because the longer we can, the longer we can adhere or, or keep to our lifestyle. I shouldn't say keep to our lifestyle, but keep the um, bad stuff away yeah. through exposure. I mean that's the only way. How, uh, how else do you? I mean, look at some of the scandals in in the past that you know from Watergate. Um, yeah. It, it wasn't until investigative journalists did the work, and, and at least in, in our time in history, uh, with the media and this new, you know, the, the press that we have um, from radio to television, and now the internet, that's uh, just been expanding since the inception of it. But uh, I mean, to ignore what you read earlier from Ephesians, to ignore the the crimes, or ignore the truth. In order to appease a political group, or you know, it's just so wrong what the Pope's saying here. And um, when did this statement come out? And well, this article is from today. Okay. When did he? Um, so he made the statement recently. And, yes, actually, he made the statement at the general audience in uh, Paul the Sixth Hall at the Vatican, December seventh, twenty sixteen. So today. All right. Well, in my view, um, now. For example, we we had uh, Brittany Pettibone on a couple of days ago. She she's a Catholic, and and I I've got I I was grew up Catholic. This is not an indictment of Catholics any more than I mean it's just not when we talk about the Vatican and talk about the the papal uh, position and statements. I don't want people who are Catholic to feel like they're being um, that that were that we're being. That, that they're involved in what we're saying here. It, it's, it comes from the leadership of, for example, the Roman Catholic Church in the form of this Pope, which to me is nothing more than a Marxist-Leninist operation by definition and by practice. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to mention portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by OmahaSteaks.com. Have you gone there yet to shop? Oh, my goodness. You know, it's so easy. It's It's a lot of fun, too. 
OmahaSnakes.com. They have the greatest family gift pack uh, for $49.99. Just go to OmahaSnakes.com, and as soon as you do, in the search bar right at the top, type in HH, and that'll bring down, although it, it you won't notice a change maybe in, in the way the page looks, it will bring down the specials for Hagman and Hagman Report, especially for the audience of the Hagman and Hagman Report. That's OmahaSnakes.com, and in the search bar, type in HH. So, yeah, and, and tonight's show, we have a great show. Sean from the SGT Report is coming on. We're going to be getting more into the the uh, criminal uh, criminality and the crime rings, uh, pedophilia within the Washington D.C. area. It's something that we have to we really have to keep on. What's known as PizzaGate, though, that's being referred to. Yes, we have to keep the pressure on because a lot of this, a lot of the information that we are finding right now, as we continue on. And we're up to our elbows and necks in all of this. Papers everywhere. Again, our my office looks like a college dorm room a week before finals. You know, it's like uh, stuff everywhere. So, but but so Sean from SGT Reports going to be joining us, and then of course Pastor David Langford every Wednesday at nine o'clock. He's going to be coming on to. Uh, Give us some a spiritual B twelve shot, a well needed one at that. So, go ahead, man. I uh, anything anything else, or should we just kind of yeah, shut well, it we down got, right now? We got um, two pieces of of news from the uh, Trump administration. He's made two separate picks. One is the pick to head the EPA for uh, the Oklahoma Attorney General Pruitt is going to head up the EPA in. Um, he is a, a global warming skeptic, and there's a, the Gateway Pundit has some um, an interesting story on this, uh, where they talk about his history. Pruitt met with Donald Trump, uh, President-elect mm-hmm. Donald Trump, in yep. New York, 28th of November, and used his current position to try to block some of EPA's most important air quality rules. This is from the far left EDF piece um, that they're quoting here. They say he tries to block every EPA rule he sees, and he is an anti-global warming activist. And then you have the Secretary of Homeland Security, John F. Kelly, General John Kelly, who is um, very uh, good on immigration. He was tough on border security, warning Congress last year about the risks of smuggling rings in Mexico and Central America that uh, spirited tens of thousands of people, including unaccompanied children, into our nation's doorstep, as well as um, terrorist organizations south of the border, using the border as smuggling route and smuggling routes to intend to give harm to our citizens, even bring weapons of mass destruction is in. This is uh, General Kelly and what uh, he has said in the past. And apparently he lost a son in Afghanistan um, during this uh, this la- this war. And in 2010, he lost his son in Afghanistan. And he is, um, a lot of people on the left are, are not happy with this pick because of the anti-immigration, uh, stance and the border security stance. And, uh, I would say the terrorist stance that he takes. Uh, but it seems hmm. to be a, a solid pick, uh, for Homeland Security. I don't know much about the Oklahoma Attorney General for the EPA. I, I'm not really familiar with him. But. We're, we're going to develop, or we are going to, I, I believe what we should do is have a show dedicated, at least in part, at some point after the 20th of January, 
um, after inauguration day just to list the the appointments and what it looks like. I think we have to wait until then to really assess what this is going to look like because I do believe some of the uh, considerations for his appointment right now are to appease the establishment Republicans, at least between now and the day of inauguration, or at least until now, until the day of the meeting of the Electoral College, because for as far out of a possibility as this might be, and I just want everyone to think about this, in order to be elected president, the popular vote, you all know about the popular vote versus the Electoral College and and such, we don't have to explain that, but um, Trump does need to have 270 electoral college or votes from the electoral college on December 19th when they meet on December 19th, and the vote has to be certified. And if for some reason Trump does not get 270 electoral votes, which I, I think he will, but let's just go way out on the limb, way deep into the weeds here, and say, oh, he, something happened. He doesn't get them. And I think he will too. And there's an article from Fox: recounts barely making a dent in election oh, the, results. The, Trump gains yeah. in Wisconsin. Um, the but you have some not. some other concerns. <laughs> yeah, and and here's here's the the concern I the concerns I have. I the the there's a band of of uh, electorates who are calling themselves Hamiltonians or Hamilton electors that are that are voting quote their conscience. Now that's fine. All right, they're they're some call them faithless electorates, uh, but you'd have to change a whole lot of whole like forty nine or so members of the electoral college. You'd have to have forty nine or approximately go rogue in order for Trump not to get the two seventy. It's based on the latest statistics. I'm kind of just summarizing it here. Um, now, if that does happen, what happens then? Well, that then the election. It's it's not like, for example, where, where Hillary would get 270 over, or 270 or over. It would be that no candidate gets the 270, hits a 270 mark. Well, then, then of course, the, then it goes to the House, to for the House to vote on the President, and then the Senate for them to vote on the Vice President. That This is according to our Constitutional, as we are a representative republic. Well, so I think Trump's got to have some, um, between now and the 19th, some level of give and take here. But what, what's interesting to me as I'm looking at this is the global or pushed by the globalists from other countries including and especially uh, the UK and Australia and some other some countries in the in the uh, in Western Europe trying to change the votes of the electoral college members. All right. Now, why would they care? Well, it's because of the globalist versus nationalist psyche that's taking place. But the as I said right from the beginning, I didn't know. I I, I thought, of course, y'all know because you've been listening to if you've been listening to the show for any length of time. I said I really thought Hillary was going to win. Didn't want her to win, but I thought Hillary was going to win. Of course, Trump won, and okay, that's the way it is. But I think the intent. The one thing I have been saying all along is the intent here is to delegitimize or cast doubt on the legitimacy of the of the office of the president and also in the long term I believe that there are some people who want to change our constitution not that they're going to but they want to at least illustrate that our constitution is outdated it doesn't reflect the current model of our society or the current uh, uh, well yeah the current model of our society and 
That's the danger. That's where I believe the danger exists. So all I'm saying is let's look at the, uh, going back to the selections, the cabinet selections, let's wait until after inauguration, then we can get a better feel for how things are going. But in the meantime, watch for this this casting doubt on the legitimacy of the election itself. And although it, it, it the issue is not um, whether or not the members of the Electoral College are going to vote one way or another, the issue is not the recounts. The issue is the larger picture, in my view anyway, of hey, this this represented Republican stuff in the Constitution, nah, man, it's got so many problems, we need to change it. That to me is the issue, the mentality of it, and that's the intent, I believe, of the Alinskyites and the uh, communists, the Marxist Leninists that we have in power. And the other thing, and I'm going to turn it back over to you, I know I'm giving you like 30 seconds, but uh, watch Keith Ellison Watch that guy. He's got ties in, based on my research and others, to the Muslim Brotherhood. He's got ties to, to radical Muslims, and of course they're considering, still considering him as the possibility for uh, the chairing the DNC. And if that's the case, it's going to go in a whole different direction. And you think it's left now, uh, you know, far left now? It's going to be way worse later, Joe. Yeah, and um, you know we saw. Uh, I, I think if. You know, to change the election system. We saw that in 2000 with Gore Bush. Yep. And if there was ever a time, I think, where, you know, they, they had a chance to, to make headway in changing the way that the votes are counted or the electoral college versus the popular vote, they would have done it then with this, the case going all the way to the Supreme Court, um, to be, to be voted on to see who became president. You know, I'd like to know what you folks think, and Joe as well, Scalia's death as being part of the Supreme Court. Do you think that was a plan, perhaps, for something in anticipation of maybe a Supreme Court decision in this election? Could that have been something, or could it have been related to something else, or was it just simply a death? Well, we don't well, we don't have the, the facts. Um, how, how Scalia died, uh, you know, there was no autopsy performed, the pillow over the face. Yeah. So how, people aren't going to be able to give an accurate account based on what we know so far because of all the uh, points and issues that were covered up with that case. So I don't know how, you know, nobody's able to make an informed opinion when we don't have any of the facts. Very true. And where is Julian Assange, by the way? Just kind of an afterthought. Yeah. And Eric Braverman, paging Eric Braverman. When we come back, Sean from the SGT Report will be our guest. And we are going to be um, getting right back into the thick of it. We'll be right back after this. Stay with us. Covering all of the news right here, um, Hagman and Hagman Report, folks. 
bookmark our website, HagmanReport.com. Joe's doing a great job populating that with news that you need to know, show prep information, homework, and of course for the show itself, HagmanAndHagman.com. I want to give a special hello and shout out to Mr. John Robertson. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for all that you do. Um, you really have excelled in, um, in just just setting some things up and handling things. And JD, thank you. And of course, Eric the Tech. You can follow him on Twitter at Real Tech Eric. Uh, thank you, Eric the Tech. You've done such a great job. And of course, some people will say, "Run, get out of there!" Really? Why you still can? Why you still have your soul? Run. And what? never mind. Yeah, it's an inside joke between okay. Eric and I. It's it's no big deal. Before we get to our guest, I just I'm so excited because today, today, ladies started. I was home. I was home. I went home about eleven thirty. I don't know. It was right before lunch. And of course, lady and I we try we 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 do everything together. Lady, the studio dog, and I we go everywhere together. And uh, I jumped out of the out of the truck and we walked to the house and we weren't uh, in the house. Five minutes and the doorbell rings and there's a package from Omaha Steaks. Our filet mignons and our top sirloins and our, well, our family pack had arrived. Let me tell you about Omaha Steaks and how for just $50, under $50, that is $49.99, you can get my family gift pack when you go to omahasteaks.com and enter code HH in the search bar. That's a 77% off savings. It's fantastic. And if you are out there, one of the many who are struggling to find that perfect gift for someone who has it all, or, and you know the holidays are fast approaching, you can order gifts for everyone on your list with just the click of a mouse. How easy is that? But today, lady's tail was wagging and I was excited because here's what we got in my family gift pack. Yes, we ordered it for ourselves. Here's what we, here's what we got. We, we got two filet mignons, two top sirloins, two boneless pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts, four kielbasa sausages, four burgers, 12-ounce package of all-beef meatballs, four potatoes au gratin, four caramel apple tartlets, one Omaha steak seasoning packet that makes the steaks such a great flavor with that. But, Plus four additional kielbasa sausages, free, all for forty nine ninety nine. How can you beat that? You cannot even go to the grocery store, and and get that much great food for that price. This is a fantastic deal. And anyway, we brought it in and we unpacked it, put it in the freezer, and of course we had to today make two burgers, one one for all for for my wife and I and. Lady was just watching us and smelling out how great the smell is, but they've got fantastic beef. The beef is second to none. But overall, Omaha Steaks offers many gift uh, ideas and gourmet uh, food. Uh, it's, it's a great steak experience at home, and they've got the most flavorful tender aged beef, and they've got seafood, seafood and poultry and pork and veal. Check it out. Go to omahasteaks.com, but... Put in HH in the search bar for my family gift pack. You got to do that because that savings is to you, ladies and gentlemen. Compliments of OmahaSteaks.com, Hagman and Hagman Report. Again, put HH, not H and H. No, 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 just HH. Got, got an email from someone saying it's not working. 
It's just HH in the search bar. OmahaSteaks.com, HH in the search bar, and have at it. Joining us now is Sean from SGTReport.com. SGTReport um, is, uh, provides original content and interviews with some of the best-known voices in the world of economics and precious metals. Uh, Sean, it's great to have you back on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hey, fellas, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Oh, it's an honor to have you here. You've been doing some fantastic work. I mean, incredible work of late. But no, not not that you haven't always. But but Sean, you're uh, you you are just I just I just love your your investigative work product and you're educating the people. What are you working on right now that we need to be talking about? Well, first, back at you. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that compliment. And, you know, what we're trying to do at SGTReport.com every single day, day in and day out, is uh, be the antidote to corporate propaganda, right? And I know you guys are doing the same thing. So many of us are out there trying to tell the truth. And you can see now the meme in the mainstream uh, media is to label us all as fake newsers, quote-unquote conspiracy theorists, nothing more. So uh, we've really been shining the light of truth uh, on Pizzagate. Uh, lately, that may be perhaps not the best name for it, uh, but that's the name that stuck. And I think it's, you know, it, it hails back to Watergate, and uh, it's the idea that there is much corruption in our government, uh, leading to the highest corridors of power, uh, potentially right to, you know, the office of Hillary Clinton when she was at the State Department, and uh, John Podesta, who's been, uh, you know, in the Clinton administrations going all the way back to Bill Clinton when I believe he was chief of staff. And uh, right now we're seeing the mainstream Mockingbird media, uh, exemplified by CNN and the Washington Post and the New York Times, malign the idea or the mere possibility that there could possibly be a pedophile ring or a child trafficking ring operating in and around Washington, D.C. that involves politicians. We're seeing that being absolutely dismissed out of hand as poppycock, as nonsense, as tomfoolery, uh, and that we're all just crazy tinfoil hat-wearing nuts for discussing it. And you guys have probably noted that they will not mention one fact that those of us who have been researching Pizzagate have uncovered. They just dismiss it out of hand. And I have plenty of sound bites prepared for you guys here that I'd like to play as we, as we go through this. But uh, that's what I'm. That's what we're working on, Pizzagate. And I got to tell you, you know, I have a YouTube channel now with uh, roughly 128,000 subscribers. Uh, and what you'll find if you look at my Pizzagate videos, anything I've done on vi- uh, Pizzagate has been demonetized uh, and deemed not advertiser friendly by YouTube, which oh, is just we got me. nailed. Yes. Yes. I'm going to keep, keep, I'm going to keep telling this story. Uh, we're not going to let them shake us off it. You, you know, you, you make such a great point because the, 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 the warfare out there, Sean, and, and you just pointed this out. See, people don't really understand the, the, the entirety of the war. They look at it as, um, well, they don't take into account, for example, that in order to shut you and I up, all of us up, they'll go after the money. In other words, if, if somebody wants to sponsor our program, great. But man, the blowback against the sponsors, uh, the blowback against monetization, even just to pay the bills, you know, a few bucks on YouTube or whatever, they will shut, they will take, erase all chances of any, uh, uh, monetization. That's right. And, and, you know, so this, the, the war that exists out there, Sean, is just, in, in my view, uh, they are hitting us from all all 
angles. So I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah, what a great job with your YouTube channel, by the way. And what a great job on your latest expose here about uh, fake news psyop, psyop, or fake news debunked. Uh, and folks, go to sgtreport.com, sgtreport.com, and make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel and certainly check their, their, uh, website every day. But, but Sean, this, this Pizzagate, which I believe should be Pedogate, but okay. Uh, because Pizzagate, in my view, limits the, uh, the conversation to, to an extent. What have you found? I mean, encapsulate for, for everyone, what, what you've found so far in terms of, uh, the bottom line. What's the bottom line on this? Well, look, I know how informed your, uh, your listeners are, and I, I believe last night you guys covered this in depth with a guest. Is that true? You really got yeah, into Pizzagate? Couple, this Actually, week, a couple yeah. of nights, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we had... Okay. Well, go ahead. Who, who no, was on? no. Uh, Brittany, uh, Brittany Pettibone. Oh, Pettibone. Yeah, yeah, I love her. She's great. I, I know her just from Twitter. But, uh, yeah, look, there's tremendous researchers out there who've been telling this story. And so I don't want to bore people with things they already know. Obviously, the Comet Ping Pong Jimmy Comet Instagram account caused a lot of us to want to dig a little deeper into what uh, James Elephantis is all about. But I'm not pointing any fingers at any one person. Uh, I think we've got, we need to go back all the way uh, to uh, historic facts if we're going to talk about Pizzagate. And, you know, I've been talking about the crimes of Jimmy Savile uh, for a very, very long time. And, of course, he was uh, employed by the BBC for years, for decades, and they knew about his pedophilia and his alleged necrophilia, and they covered it up. And I've got a BBC Channel 5 documentary. I want to play just one clip here for you. Hopefully you'll be able to hear this loud and clear. Uh, that does prove that he was not a lone pedophile. He was trafficking children to the elite. We know he was friends with Prince Charles, and we know he was knighted by the Queen. This is a global problem. Listen to this. Jimmy Savile, far from being a lone predator, seemingly played an active role in supplying children to a network of child abusers in London. Okay, could you guys hear that all right? Yeah, yeah. Was okay, that from so the unaired documentary of uh, Conspiracy of Silence? Uh, I don't believe it's from Conspiracy of Silence. That is a UK Channel 5 documentary about the crimes of Jimmy Savile. And, you know, what so many of us have come to realize about this problem, you guys, is that, and this is why we are uh, seeing our enemy in the mainstream Mockingbird media try to shut us down. This is uh, Ephesians 6.12, which you guys know well. This is not a problem of just human beings. This is a spiritual problem. It's spiritual warfare. I know Steve Quayle, Tom Horn, I know you guys talk about this regularly, but I think it's an important place to start. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wit wickedness in high places. And I had my friend Gans Shimura from the Face Like the Sun YouTube channel on uh, recently to talk about just that. And he said something really powerful, and I'd like to play that for you, man. No need to ask. Fire away. Listen to this. You talked about Ephesians 6.12. You go back one chapter, Ephesians 5.11. It says this, Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And interestingly, in verse 12, it says, For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. And man, is that true with everything that's come to light here. It's it's shameful to discuss all this stuff, blood sacrifice, pedophilia, uh, you know, taking kids out of Haiti for a pedophilia. I mean, this is, it is shameful. It's hard to talk about it because it's so shameful. Yeah. But it says here, right here in Ephesians, that 
we need to expose this stuff. Okay, so we're exposing this stuff. You guys are. Uh, the Pettibone sisters are. So many of us are working so hard to try to tell this story because there are children right now as we speak in dungeons around this planet that are being victimized. Child trafficking is huge. So what do we know? What do we already know? Well, let's stay in the historical fact. Let's go back to 2011 and Breitbart's tweet. Andrew Breitbart tweeted this just a year before he died. Quote, how John Podesta isn't a household name as world-class underage sex slave op cover-upper defending unspeakable dregs is beyond me, end quote. And a year later, he was dead. Do you guys not think for one minute that if that was untrue, that he would not have been immediately uh, sued for libel? Absolutely. Of course, of course in, in, yeah. it would be. Yep. And so what's so troubling about this and the WikiLeaks Podesta emails and all the work that the researchers at Reddit and 4chan and all over the alt media in the real world have done is they've drawn light on these horrific anomalies, this, these speech patterns, the secret code using words like hot dog and pizza to refer to little children, uh, which are widely recognized as being uh, pedophilic code words. Uh, it, it's just extremely uh, disturbing. And I'm not sure if you guys knew about this. I just reported uh, this uh, yesterday, in fact, and let me find it. I found it quite disturbing. Now, you know CNN is really leading the charge here, uh, shooting us all down as being conspiracy oh, yeah. is talking nonsense. Well, Jake Tapper certainly loves to malign Pizzagate and spirit cooking specifically. And, of course, he and CNN never, ever bother to address any of the troubling facts and the mountains of circumstantial evidence that suggest a penchant for pedophilia among the ranks of Washington, D.C.'s elite. So I find it really strange. It's a really weird, strange coincidence that almost a year ago, in February 2015, Jake Tapper's wife, Jennifer, pro professed her love for Comet Ping Pong and Bucks Fishing and Camping to the Washingtonian magazine, naming them specifically as her favorite date night restaurants, which is really weird for those who aren't learn it about this Pizzagate thing, because those are both establishments that have been named by Pizzagate researchers as worthy, worthy of further investigation. Of course, Comet Ping Pong, Jimmy Comet's Instagram uh, account, showed really awful things like what he called that kill room, uh, yes. which was that empty cement room, and then somebody that's else... Merely a that's merely a refrigerator room, uh, Sean. You know, that's just... For no, yeah, I, I'm not even going to try. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to try here, folks. Nothing to see here. And then, and, yeah. and then another uh, on the Instagram account said, uh, I believe it was actually Jimmy Conn, and he said hashtag murder. Uh, it leads people to have questions. If you live next to somebody who had that as an Instagram account, and you went on his Instagram account, and you saw him uh, a picture of himself um, covered in what looks like blood, could be pizza sauce, uh, mostly nude and wearing women's high heels with the, the pizza sauce or blood all over his face. Um, is that somebody you'd want to live next to? Um, you might have questions. I'm not sure uh, how people feel about that, but researchers found it weird. So it's a small world when Jake Tapper's wife also noted that uh, her favorite restaurant with the kids is Comet Ping Pong. Now, this is a year before this thing broke open with Pizzagate. So I just, it makes you wonder, what relationship does Jake Tapper have to this thing, if there's any? But for me, specifically, it makes me understand why they just want it to go away. And they're not going to address any of the issues uh, or any of the evidence that researchers have uh, brought to light 
about Pizza uh, Gate and and maybe some of those establishments right there in the area. Like for instance, Besta Pizza, that is yeah. uh, widely recognized as having had a logo that the FBI's own documents say is very similar to the Boy Lover pedophile logo. Uh, that you would need to keep an eye out when doing investigations like this. You look for coins, jewelry, logos. Uh, that was a pedophilic logo that since Pizzagate broke has since been changed. Why wouldn't CNN talk about that? Why does CNN CNN insist on playing sound bites like this one. Uh, this comes from the day of the shooter event, of course, the Pizzagate shooter, uh, Edgar Madison Welch, who, by the way, has an IMD page, IMDB page. Uh, I'm sure you guys have already covered this, but it blew me away when I read about this today. An IMDB page in which he played an actor in a movie in 2005. You ready for what the name of the movie was called? Something hmm. about pizza. And he played, the role he played was the gunman. This is on his IMDb page. No. Okay? <laughs> and so on the day of that uh, shooting, they say one shot was fired. Uh, some of the eyewitnesses would dispute that. But on the day of the shooting, CNN had this exchange between senior media correspondent Brian Stetler and Dean Obidala. You're going to hear Dean speak first and then Brian. Listen to this. It's unfortunate. You have good people misinformed, and on this case, this man was radicalized online. This is no it, different. You know, radicalized, radicalized is an interesting word. Right. Conspiracy theories, these kinds of uh, swamps of the internet, can cause people to, to embrace extreme, wild views because and, and, you—it's reinforcing online. It's self-reinforcing. Yeah. You read all these articles, all these weird clues on Twitter and Facebook that make you think a preposterous idea like PizzaGate is actually true. Well, a preposterous idea like PizzaGate. So, guys, that to me screams of their desperation. Does it not? What's your take on that, Doug? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it does. But, you know, it's kind of like, to me, a non-denial denial. It, it, and, and a diversion tactic. Um, there's a lot wrong with this. A lot wrong with their defense of of this in, in many levels. But, um, well, go on. I, I, you're, you're just you're just turning it up. So go ahead and continue. Well, I just, I find it extremely troubling that the enemy is at the gates as it pertains to the mainstream media. Trump won as a big, essentially a counterlash, I think, a counterculture uh, outlash against the mainstream mockingbird media, right? What, what do we know about, why is it called, the, why do I call it the mainstream mockingbird media? Uh, because of the CIA's Project Mockingbird, right? Which bragged that they could get any story they wanted that they made up on the front page of every major American newspaper within 24 hours. It's also the CIA, as you guys well know, that coined the term conspiracy theorist to try to curb conversation away from the idea of a magic bullet and JFK being assassinated. Anybody that wanted to have that conversation was immediately labeled the pejorative conspiracy theorist. They still use it today. They are so panicked about this story. They're so eager to try to dismiss it. And I don't really believe for one minute that uh, the fellow that walked into that uh, pizza joint, Edgar Madison Welch, was quote-unquote one of us. I don't believe for a minute that he was actually a researcher or a truther or anybody that had the idea of real justice in his mind. I think he was a pawn who was encouraged to or ordered to walk in there, uh, whether it's military intelligence or who knows, black ops, I don't know. But I just don't buy for a second that uh, he, I mean, look, he's got an IMDb page where he uh, was in a movie called Something About Pizza, and he played, quote-unquote, the gunman. Does okay, anybody Sean, 
Uh, yeah, I, I do, in fact. But let me ask this. To what end? For example, this guy walks in, doesn't shoot anyone. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm not sure I believe any of the accounts I've heard. But, okay, let's just say he walked in and, and shot the gun at the wall or something <clears throat> or the floor. To what end? What 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 what's the purpose of him doing that? Or what's the purpose of that taking place? Is it the purpose to uh then to, to be able to say, look, your fake news quote unquote is hurting uh is causing a danger to society and we have to shut you down or have to shut down the conversation? Is that was that the end game objective here? I think there's a couple of different objectives, one of which I think plays right into the hand of, you saw the Washington Post piece uh, labeling more than 200 sites as fake news sites, right? SGT report was among those. Uh, and uh, so there is a meme now where they want to malign any alternative news media, which is eating the lunch of CNN. Uh, and, and I don't mean me. I mean, I maybe we get, you know, 35 to 45,000 page views a day at SGT report. Zero Hedge gets one. What a million uh, infowars! I mean, there's really big operations uh, that are trying to uh, tell a narrative that is counter to the mainstream Mockingbird State Department talking points, uh, and those are the enemies that are on that list. I, I do see that list as a badge of honor that I'm on it, and SG2 report is on it, but I also see it as being the target list of sites that they would love to shut down. So one of the things is here about Pizzagate is they needed to get control of the narrative. They were losing the control. The, they've been losing control of the narrative. They didn't own the narrative. They weren't even part of the narrative on Twitter, trending for days, uh, on Facebook, uh, on YouTube, some of the biggest videos on YouTube are Pizzagate uh, uh, videos. And so they needed to get control of the narrative. How do you do that? You send in a shooter. You lock down the narrative. You call it all fake news. And I got an email from somebody in law enforcement uh, who said that these are often the things they will do when they need to lock down an, uh, an area and do what he called a deep clean. If any of the things that uh, researchers are concerned about as it relates to Comet Ping Pong are true, if there's been any nefarious activity there at all, any criminality, and I'm not suggesting for any certainty that there has been, I'm suggesting a, uh investigation would have been warranted, they were able to lock down Comet Pizza with this particular event, potentially to do a deep clean. Uh, lock it down, say it's a, uh, uh, there's a chain of evidence, there's a, it's a, it's a um, uh, crime scene, uh, is what this reader suggested. Lock it down and uh, take any evidence out and just do a deep clean. Um, that was his take. I, I just think that there's uh, multiple objectives in this operation, but uh, first and foremost is to get control of the narrative, try to make the people who aren't paying attention to the alternative media believe that this is all fake. Pizzagate is nonsense made up by nut nutcases. Uh, and then in this sound clip, you heard uh, Dean Obadala say uh, he was radicalized. The shooter was radicalized from these fake news sites. So then you get the other meme out there that not only are these sites fake, they're not, they're not reporting the truth, they're not doing real investigative journalism, which is completely untrue. They're lying. We are. Um, but that in addition to that, these sites are radicalizing people to do bad things. Uh, so it's a multifaceted attack against us, I think. And that's a very dangerous accusation in a very dangerous area. When, 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 um, the media, well, when CNN and others like CNN can go out, it, well, as you, as you said, the mockingbird media, when, when they, when they can say that it's because of our, collectively, our reporting, or the, the reporting by citizen journalists or investigators uh, to, to cause to create an unsafe environment for uh, people, then to, to, for cause to shut us up, 
shut us down, whatever you want to, however you want to call it. To me, that, that is extremely dangerous. And the, the, the radicalization aspect of this too, that I find very interesting as well yeah. in a number of, on a number of levels because of course they, um, well, compare that to how they use that in the context of, of Islam. But that, you, you're exactly right. Uh, wow. Well, S- such great observations. Go ahead. Well, it's just very troubling because as you guys know, this goes all the way to the top. I mean, it always has, right? The Franklin guff- cover-up, uh, the call boys that were being taken into the Reagan-Bush White House, um, the, well, Jimmy Savile, um, the, v- the issues at the Vatican. And I went to a Catholic school for four years for high school, so I'm not anti-Catholic. I also went to a Lutheran uh, grade school for three years, and I am a Lutheran, but uh, the the crimes of the Catholic Church are no secret. So, Today, when Reuters reported that the Pope has come out and the Pope is warning media over quote-unquote sin of spreading fake news and smearing politicians, I didn't make that up, that's a real headline, (laughs) broke by Reuters today, Pope warns media sin, well, I'll read that again, Pope warns media over sin of spreading fake news, smearing politicians. Okay, smearing politicians, what might he be talking about? Is, I mean, does this go all the way to the top with Pizzagate? I mean, are they that scared that people are start starting to wake up to this global pedophilia ring that even the Pope is saying, you know, careful, and he's jumping on this fake news bandwagon? Because w- which politicians are being smeared? Well, John Podesta in 2011 by Andrew Breitbart. No lawsuit filed where there's smoke, there's fire. And now the Podesta WikiLeaks emails suggest that perhaps Breitbart was right, and John Podesta himself has been involved either directly in child trafficking or the cover-up for those who are involved in child trafficking. And we're not supposed to talk about it? How about Bill Clinton going to uh, Lolita, uh, with Jeffrey Epstein to Lolita Island on the Lolita Express? What, yep. 26 times? Are we not yep. supposed to talk about that because we're smearing politicians? How about we embrace facts and talk about the facts that these people appear to be engaged in victimizing children in the worst possible ways, and it needs to be talked about. And then yeah. the light of truth sure. has to be shined on this. It's the biggest Sean, problem in the world. Hold, hold, hold on to that because I, you hit the nail right on the head. Very articulate, very very succinct, and extremely on the mark. And I believe this is the backdrop for the most important stories of our time. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Hagman Report. Stay right where you're at. Back in three. Great segment, Sean, sgtreport.com. Talk about uh, right on the money. We were talking about Pizzagate, and Sean is going to stay with us as well until the top of the hour. We've got another guest that you're just going to love. You are going to love the guests that we have coming on, along with uh, Sean from SGT Report. i got a lot of respect for these guys. I really do. As an investigator and as an investigative researcher, I really have a lot of respect for Sean, SGT Report, as well as our next guest in uh, 
Joe's going to tell you about them here momentarily. Before we get to uh, that, I want to mention that MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com, folks, go to MinutemanStove.com. Get yourself one of the best rocket, well, the best rocket stove on the market, bar none. MinutemanStove.com has the best rocket stove. You need this item for survival, for preps. Even if you go camping, it's 14 pounds. It travels clean. It's got it, it's got this unique design that other rocket stoves don't. I could give you all of the all kinds of information about this, but folks, just go to MinutemanStove.com. Look for yourself. What a fantastic piece of equipment for your preps, for camping, for whatever. And what a, an amazing Christmas gift that would make for that person in your life. MinutemanStove.com. It's these are made in America, and uh, they're serving with our troops in Iraq and Afghanistan. They're handmade, battle-proven, extremely rugged. They come with a two-year no-hassle warranty, which has never once, never once been uh, made, or no claims have been made. So, MinutemanRocketStove.com. That's the, uh, the, the that's the best rocket stove out there. Joe, I'm going to kick it to you. Yeah, we have uh, still Sean with us from SGT Report as well as uh, James Perloff. And James is an author of um, a number of books. He's a great guy. Shadows of Power, Tornado in a Junkyard, and The Case (laughs) Against Darwin, as well as uh, several articles. Um, One I'm looking at now is on the New American, and it deals with Pearl Harbor as we are on the uh, 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor today, uh, and hence the show title, and, and if, folks, if you're watching us on YouTube Live, and we have uh, many people all across the country, all across the world watching us in YouTube Live, uh, we're bringing uh, Jim on, on video so you can see him. But James. James, I'm sorry. James. Sorry, sir. Um. <laughs> Either way. Either way is good. You, yeah, I'm good with you guys. You, okay. Doug, Joe, Jim, Sean. Yeah, and we're gonna go to we're gonna go back to Sean for a moment, and uh, uh, Sean, you've done some interviews with with our with our guests as well. Uh, but let's finish up with what you were saying about PizzaGate, and you go ahead and t- and take us in the direction after you finish that. Take us in the direction with uh, with James, however you want to handle this. So, Sean, okay. come on back and okay, let's thank rock. you. Hey, James, how are you? It's good to good to hear your voice. Oh, it's good to hear yours. Uh, I'm using that. Uh, used to do it through a conduit. Usually, we're uh, have the direct line for your show, and actually, we'll be taping one. Uh, I, I guess no one mind my mention. We're taping a show tomorrow on SGT Report. It won't air for a few days after. Yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking with you again. Uh, uh, James Perloff is responsible for uh, the interview that I've done. I've done hundreds of interviews, and the one with the most views is one I did with James. It has over, I think, 775,000 views, and it's it's uh, called The Elite Do Not Want You to Know That God is Real. Here's the proof. And it's a powerful interview uh, talking about his book, Tornado in a Junkyard, and uh, the case against Darwin. Uh, very powerful stuff when you really break down that ancient Darwinian theory of how we all, how we all got here. Uh, what I wanted to do to just wrap up Pizzagate, though, if I may, guys, is I wanted to ask you about that Podesta Brothers police sketch. Have you all seen that as it relates to the disappearance of Madeline McCain in 2007? Uh, Sean, we have, and I've got questions on that because I need, and I've been trying to do this, I've been trying to authenticate the timing of those sketches. Those are so eerily um, right on the money matching. They almost look photoshopped and almost too good to be true. So, what do you know about this? And help us out on this. 
Yeah, one of the things I just want to say about those sketches, my friend Oli Damagard has had the same exact question. He He's very well reversed, uh, versed in the disappearance of Madeline McCain. Uh, McCann, I guess is how you pronounce it. I tend to say McCain. But Madeline disappeared from her parents' uh, apartment, her their holiday apartment in Portugal, uh, on May 3rd, I believe it was, 2007. And it was worldwide news, and many of the investigators, including Richard D. Hall, my friend Oli, many of them believed the parents had something to do with her disappearance. Now, what's interesting about those EFITs, they're called, those computer-generated sketches of two suspects, um, is that they both do look eerily similar to John and Tony Podesta. And what's interesting about it um, is that when Madeline disappeared in 2007, it was widely reported that there were some eyewitnesses, I believe two, and they were really looking at that point for one suspect. And I think even when these EFITs were released, and if you do a Google search, I'm with you, Doug, on these, these images. These are confusing. And Oli had the same question. He said he had been following the disappearance of Madeline for years, and he'd never seen those images. When were they released? Why were they released? Who released them? And I told him that, to my understanding, they were released somewhere around 2013, which is some six years after Madeline disappeared. And they are computer-generated. And anybody that knows anything about generating anything from a computer is you need to have inputs. So what was input that caused the output to look exactly like John and Tony Podesta? Fair question. Uh, but it does raise this question. If John and Tony Podesta were in Portugal in May of 2007, did they potentially have something to do with the di disappearance of Madeleine McCann? And... If that is the case, what role did they play? It's a fair question to ask because of the Podesta WikiLeaks emails and, of course, Breitbart's 2011 tweet about John Podesta being involved in the cover-up of child trafficking. So here's my latest thesis on that on those images after talking to Oli and really thinking this thing through. Um, whether or not they were in Portugal in May of 2007, and it's important to find out if they were. And some research suggests that they may have been staying at Clement Freud's, the, uh, I believe, uh, grandson of Sigmund Freud, staying at his million-dollar holiday villa less than a mile from where Madeleine McCain disappeared. Now, I don't have proof of that, but whether or not they were there at Clement Freud's villa um, doesn't really matter, because to me, what... And I would... Sir, I would, I would I would posit that perhaps they were in Portugal, because I'm going to play a soundbite for you that is an original. I did an interview with, it's a soundbite no one's ever heard before, I've not even posted the video yet. It's with a human trafficking, uh, child sex and child sex murder uh, expert named Corrine Hootspot. And I want to play that soundbite for you in, in a second, because I had no idea that Portugal was such a hotbed of child trafficking and child pedophilia, but it absolutely is. So here's my thesis. Let's say the Podesta brothers were in Portugal in May of 2007. Let's say they didn't have anything to do with the actual disappearance or kidnapping of Madeline. But they were there and they were up to nefarious activities. We now know that there's a global pedophile ring, much larger and much more horrific than maybe any of us knew just a couple of months ago before Pizzagate. Could it not be possible that this larger ring of powerful people that know what the Podestas are up to helped get that sketch, those sketches released, as a threat to John and Tony? Because keep in mind, before WikiLeaks Podesta emails and before Pizzagate, those computer-generated sketches of those two suspects would have meant nothing to anyone. But now, because of Pizzagate, P 
people tied to and, you know, added, added up, one and one equals two, these guys look just like John and Tony. So one of my theses is, is Doug, that perhaps those sketches were released as just an open threat to John and Tony, saying, you play ball, you keep, you know, stay in line, or we'll just pin, we'll pin this thing on you, which they certainly would have the power to do. Um, so that's just sort of my latest thinking on that, and I hope people can look at those sketches right now. Uh, it's the John and Tony Podesta sketches that Sean, resemble the two suspects being sought it, in the disappearance. Interesting mound. theory. Yeah, very interesting theory. Yeah, it's it's just curious because, as Oli said, he said, "How would two?" And I agree with him. How would two eyewitnesses in the dark, who said they saw one person carrying a girl away, come up? How would two eyewitnesses come up with? two suspects, the drawings of two suspects, that don't look anything like each other, and end up being brothers. Exactly. And may well be involved in worldwide global child trafficking. It's it's really disturbing to think about, but I think it's, a, it's something that needs to be asked and investigated, and you know CNN's not going to show those sketches and talk about it. So... What I'd like to do, though, is just flush this out, and then, I, and then I'll stop, and we'll turn this thing over to my good friend James Perloff. But uh, I just want to play this soundbite from Corrine Hotzbot, who is an expert in this area. As she, because you guys got to understand, as much as Pizzagate in this child trafficking and pedophilia is a surprise to me and so many of us here in this country, um, the scope of this thing and for how long it's been going on, decades, even centuries, is no surprise to researchers like Corrine. And she told me this about Portugal. Especially for little boys, they go to uh, Portugal. And um, these children, in fact, there are prices. When the children die during the abuse and the violence, then it is, it is included in the price to get rid of the child. And sometimes they end up, or when they are too much injured, they end up in uh, organ traffic. Because every part of, it, of, of a human being can be used. Even if, the child is, even if the child is dead, the bones can be used and sold. So then you have these children coming from different backgrounds and different areas. And you have the offenders, the, the criminals, coming from different uh, areas also. Uh, it is like stamp collectors, you know. When you, you collect stamps, you will look all over the world to find other collectors who have stamps that you want. Does that not just give you goosebumps? It's just horrific to think about children being used, abused, trafficked, bought and sold and murdered as just a regular business practice on this planet. I, I just, it's like Dante's Inferno. It's like hell on earth. And I just, the reason we need to talk about this and the reason we cannot back down when CNN wants to tell us that this is nothing but fake news and the Washington Post wanted, wants to label us fake newsers, we need to stand in stark opposition to these Orwellian monsters who are helping and, 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 and in fact colluding with those that are part of this. Because if there's smoke, there's fire in my, in my opinion. And what Pizzagate tells us is there's all sorts of smoke. And what that Breitbart email told us in 2011, and I'll quote it, quote it again, this is Andrew Bart Breitbart one year before he died, how John Podesta isn't a household name as a world-class underage sex slave op cover-upper defending unspeakable dregs is beyond me, end quote. If that were not true, Breitbart would have been sued for libel, slander, whatever, for millions of dollars. Nothing came of it. Of course, he died a year later. Right. 
Amazing. Sean, right on target, as always. I'm just so impressed by your research and by your, uh, uh, by your laser-like acute, uh, sense of, well, th- th- thank you. And thank we will be talking more about this. You go ahead and superintend the interview with, uh, with, uh, with James here. I, I just can't wait to, to hear you two together. Dynamic uh-huh. duo, in fact. Go ahead, sir. Oh, should I turn? Oh, James, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, and uh, thank you for those insights. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we've been following uh, the Luciferian character of uh, the New World Order for some time. You know, uh, uh, actually, you know, William Guy Carr, who wrote Pawns in the Game back in 1955, you know, was with Canadian intelligence, and he said that the uh, elite are Satan worshippers, and uh, those later verified by the late Ted Gunnerson of the FBI. And, of course, we've seen the Bohemian Grove, uh, human sacrifice, uh, mock human sacrifice ceremonies. We've seen the statue of Baphomet going up in Detroit. We've got a show on, uh, TV now called Lucifer. Well, Lucifer's the, the good guy. We've had the spirit cooking, um, hmm? the pedophilia. Uh, more and more it's becoming clear that, uh, as we've thought all along, this is a spiritual battle between uh, good and evil, between God and Satan. And uh, you can see where the Satanists are. They are interconnected to the to the elite, uh, and through financial power, they control the media. As you had mentioned, CNN, uh, will poo-poo this, but, uh, they're all on the same, they're all on the same league, and we're on the opposing, we're on the opposing team. Yeah. Well, I opened the show by just, my part of the show when I came on by quoting Ephesians 6.12, James, as you know, and we mm-hmm. talked about in our interview, this is a spiritual battle. This is spiritual warfare. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that there's many listeners out there who are well aware of it, but, you know, for those that don't believe in a spiritual realm beyond this world, uh, I, I sure wish they'd wake up, you know. It's just so obvious at this point that uh, the people yeah, that... Is. Aligned against us, they believe in Satan. I mean, they believe in a dark power that gives them power. I mean, it doesn't. An atheist might not believe that that's true, but the people who oppose us believe it's true. So much so that I believe they're willing to really, really victimize and hurt, and hurt kids in the most unimaginable ways, and in many cases, kill those kids and sacrifice those kids. That's what this Pizzagate thing is bringing to light, and that's why it's so important to talk about it. But, you know, you hit the nail on the head with spirit cooking. You know, they'll tell us that, oh, Marina Abramovic is just a, uh artist. Well, right. so was Flynn Polanski, but he was also a pedophile, you know. Just because she's a artist doesn't mean she's not also a Satanist whose art is influenced by the occult and the practice of Satanism. Uh, she's on the cover of the uh, Vogue Ukraine edition, all dressed in red, looking very satanic, and she is embracing in front of her, there's a little girl who couldn't be more than 10, 11, 12 years old, dressed exactly the same way, looking just as satanic. I, I don't call that art. I call it repulsive. Sure, and it's uh, she's also posed with a uh, pentagram on her body, a satanic pentagram, and with a uh, goat's head, bloody cut-off goat's head, and I've been told, I didn't check this, but that her Twitter name is 666. <laughs> you can't get a little more obvious than uh, than that. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're definitely dealing with people who are conscious Luciferians. These people are not actually atheists. They actually are worshippers themselves, but of Lucifer. Yeah, well, and also in that magazine spread of the Vogue Ukraine edition featuring Marina Abramovic on the cover, inside that spread is her standing in front of what can best be described as the type of slab or table you would put a dead body on in a coroner's right. office or coroner's yeah. room. She's standing in front of it with very occult hand gestures, and the model on the slab 
is nude, but you can't see her her naked body parts, her genitals, because on top of her body it looks like she's been gutted. So on top of her body are all the body parts. So then you dig into the spirit cooking thing, and you see at these parties they bake the they make these cakes that you wouldn't know they're cakes. They look like human beings. They look like naked, full size human beings, right? Uh, in, in many cases, bathed in sort of a red gel that appears almost to be blood like. And then they cut these cakes. They cut into these cakes, usually starting at the genitals or the heart, and then they serve the cake to the guests. James, to me, that's—I mean—that's every shade of cannibalism I can imagine. I mean, that, does that not just elicit the thoughts of cannibalism with these people? And uh, you've probably seen these pictures that uh, have come out of a 1972 Rothschild-hosted party. And yeah. uh, at this party, uh, not only are they wearing these weird satanic costumes, but there are. Um, um, uh, mock-ups of babies on the dining table um, as if they were eating babies not that they were really doing it but that was what was uh, being symbolized and so that that was over 40 years ago so you can see there's a, there's a continuum of this going back to the days when they were sacrificing children to Moloch in ancient Canaan it's go- ongoing it is, and uh, you know, Doug and Joe, I, I would just say that you guys remember the, the, the movie Eyes Wide Shut. I've talked about this re- in yeah. recent microdocs. You know, it, it was Stanley Kubrick who, I believe, through that movie, was trying to tell us what the elite are up to. And in that movie, he was really giving us the Satanic Rituals 101. He wasn't giving us this hardcore stuff about having sex with babies. And- in sacrificing children. That that wasn't in the movie. Um, there was some suggestion of a shop owner uh, who was peddling out his daughter, his teen daughter, uh, for sex. So there was that aspect of pedophilia in the movie. Uh, but the scariest part was when Tom Cruise broke into the satanic sex ritual, which, by the way, was filmed at a Rothschild uh, manor, Roth- Rothschild yep. Castle. Uh, Tom Cruise breaks in. He doesn't have the right password, and they catch him because when they 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 know he's there and he shouldn't be there. They all have masks on. He has a mask mask on, but uh, he showed up in a taxi, I believe, or a limo. That Anyway, he didn't have the password. So the scariest part of the movie is when they ask him to remove his mask because they know he shouldn't be there. And they were going to sacrifice him, and then a prostitute stepped forward and basically took the hit for him. But even that was really 101 compared to what we're learning about with Pizzagate because in that movie it was a sexual you know a satanic magic sex rituals with adults you know consenting adults I believe so that's not as bad as what we're finding out with Pizzagate I'm not excusing it I'm just saying that Stanley gave us a warning about what the elite are up to and it was sort of the sort of 101 cliff notes version because what they're really into is much much darker and includes trafficking in children torturing and having sex with them in dungeons and then killing them. That's what we're talking about here. And it needs to be talked about because it's the most important story in the world, I believe. And we agree. And it's not just... This is not just for not. In other words... This there's a motive behind this. We can see that that uh, although there's the specter of Christianity or Judeo-Christian culture in our country and and of course in the West or throughout the West, uh, what what is really taking place is the power the power elite, in my view anyway, um, are not atheists as you pointed out, but but they're 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 Luciferian. And here is the proof. This is the motive, the means, the operation under which all 
big, in my view anyway, big decisions are made, uh, in sacrificing to Moloch and praying to Lucifer. This is, this is, has been and now is being revealed to be the means to power and the maintenance to this power structure and of course who their, their real God is. Yeah, and I would just like to, if I could, um, I think I'm, you guys are probably going to take over here with James at the bottom of the hour, so maybe at that point I'll say my goodbyes. But I, I want to give credit to a YouTube channel. Uh, the channel is Marty Leads 33. He did a video that I think might be the video of the year as it pertains to this Podesta WikiLeaks emails thing. Do you guys remember the picture of John Podesta that was released because of the WikiLeaks emails of him looking at the camera and he's holding up his hands and uh, his right hand has the number 14, his left hand uh, or vice versa has a fish. Yep. Have you seen that? Okay. So, Marty Leeds uh, knows all about ge- Geomatria. He's very, he's more, he's way better spoken than I am about a variety of issues. And I just want to play this soundbite as it relates to what we're up against, because the name of that video is called "The Deocculting of John Podesta," and I highly suggest everybody go to YouTube right now. And if you haven't watched it, watch it because it's brilliant. This man is extremely credible as he deciphers the cipher of what that meant. Why did John put a fourteen on one hand? and a fish on the other. And what he leads us to understand by the end of his short video, I think it's nine, ten minutes long, is that that is code for 322. 322 is the number associated with skull and bones in these secret societies. Uh, it's a very occult number. And I just want to play this last soundbite here um, from Marty. Um, I want to turn off the audio. So I don't... Okay, this is from uh, Marty. This is the last section of audio from his uh, video, uh, The Deocculting of John Podesta. Dark magicians and dark occultists run our world. And the sooner that we come to realize this, the better off humanity is going to be. It's a hard thing to accept. It's a hard thing to stomach. It's a bitter pill to swallow. But we need to recognize this for our own proliferation and for the proliferation of true spirit upon this earth. There are very twisted, very sinister people that work in concert behind the scenes to perpetuate a very disturbing, very immoral, and downright evil agenda. And we as a humanity need to stop this. It is literally in our hands. I just think it's a really powerful video, and I hope people watch it, because you need to understand that a lot of the things that we're talking about here are hiding in plain sight, and that's why Pizzagate is important. That's why the research that was being done on Reddit before it was shut down. That's why the anonymous researchers on 4chan. That's why anybody telling this story on YouTube or in alternative media is doing the work of the Lord. This stuff is important, and these people have been hiding this stuff in plain sight for far too long, which is why all of that stuff on the Jimmy Comet Instagram page was discovered, because he didn't lock it. It was public. It has been since made private. So we got them right where we want them. We are going to uncover this, and we're not going to let CNN or the New York Times or the Washington Post scare us away by calling us fake news. I don't think we could have said that any better. That That's a marvelous summation uh, and incredible. And I hope everyone listens uh, to, to Sean and uh, heeds his advice. I did watch that, the occulting of uh, John Podesta as well, by the way. Uh, it's a fantastic video, very compelling evidence with respect to the 322 uh, uh, designation or the 322 conclusion. Sean, in, in closing here, uh, as we, we've got a few minutes or two minutes here before we, uh, we have to cut you loose uh, with James Perloff. Well, anything, how do you want to, how do you want to wrap up here in the, in the remaining two minutes? 
Well, I just want to say that, you know, uh, James Perloff is a friend of mine now. Um, I didn't know James. I didn't, you know, he's an author. He's, uh, he's just a terrific guy. I didn't know you guys. We're, but now I do. Uh, I stand on the shoulders of giants, right? All of this stuff I'm sharing about Pizzagate isn't because I solely uncovered all of this. This is research being done by real people uh, who really care, and it's really important, and we can all stand together to be stronger. And I think that, uh, you know, as Maddie Leeds said, it is all in our hands. It, this is our opportunity to stand up. Uh, we don't have to be afraid. We can stand together. We can stand strong, and we can stand because we have light on our side. We have truth on our side, and the enemy does not. CNN does not. John Podesta does not. And we know Hillary Clinton does not have truth on her side. And so that's what's inspiring, is that we can all, like, I'm friends with you guys now. I'm friends. I, I've got, I've got uh, James Perloff on my speed dial. I mean, this is cool. It's, it's really great to be around and associated with like-minded people whose hearts are in the right place, who actually care about humanity and are in the game to make a change. Because that's not what we see from the people at CNN being paid millions of dollars a year to spew lies to us. I mean, literally. Jake Tapp what do you think his salary is? I'm sure it's four, five, six, eight, ten, twelve million a year, right? Just, yeah, just a little more than ours. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit more of a budget than we have, and all he has to do is, you know, read the State Department talking points. So that's not what you're going to get, <laughs> those of us in the truth media. You're not going to get the State Department, CIA, Mockingbird media talking points, and I'm proud to be a part of it. Amen, so, my brother. Thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. And, Doug, it's my understanding that you're going to be coming on with me in about a week, and I really appreciate that. I'm humbled uh, for the invitation or by the invitation, yes. Yes, and we're going to have a great time. Looking okay. forward to it. All right. Well, today's the day that uh, we'll live in infamy, and I'm glad you got James Perloff on. He's wonderful. So thanks, James. It's nice to see you, and I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you tomorrow, Sean. All right, buddy. Thanks, thanks you guys. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate you it. You have a great night. You too. Thanks, Joe. That was Sean from SGT Report. You can find the SGT Report on Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facebook, as well as sgtreport.com. Uh, we're going to be talking with James Perloff, who is with us now and will be staying with us till the end of the hour. Um, getting into Pearl Harbor and um, so the 75-year anniversary, we are here today, and we're going to be talking about this right after the break. Stay with us. Of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We are joined with James Perloff until the, the rest of the end of the hour, and we're going to be talking about Pearl Harbor. Folks, go to jamesperloff.com. Um, he is a, a writer of several books, as well as um, articles and, and important content. And um, one of the interesting stories that we're going to be talking about today is uh, you go to jamesperloff.com and Pearl Harbor, Roosevelt's 9 11. Uh, read that article. Uh, James, it's great to have you on the show. And um, Let's get into this on the 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Um, there's a lot that I think people my age don't know about Pearl Harbor that um, is very relevant today when we look in the context of our, our history, especially with the you know 9/11 in the rear view and mm-hmm. um, a number of events that are happening uh, now with the you know, revamping of this World War III narrative. Um, 
What's some of the things that, that you think are important that uh, the younger generations might not know about Pearl Harbor? Well, they might uh, not know exactly what Pearl Harbor was, and so uh, this was the event that launched America into World War II. It was an attack on our naval forces in Hawaii by uh, Japanese aircraft carriers, uh, killing about 2,000 Americans and uh, sinking or heavily damaging 18 warships. Uh, it was uh, explosions everywhere, a lot like 9-11. Um, there are uh, several points to me to, uh, to be made about it. Uh, one is that, as you were touching on, we've uh, had false flags, a long history of false flags that brought us into wars um, or deceptions that have brought us into wars, uh, including the sinking of the Maine, Spanish-American War, 1898, the sinking of the Lusitania uh, in 1915, of course, uh, Tonkin Gulf, your incubator babies, 9-11, the mother of them all, um, uh, sarin gas and uh, non-existent weapons of mass destruction, right? Uh, there's been so many times we have been deceived into a war. In the case of Pearl Harbor, there are uh, four main points that I think should be known. And these are, first of all, that the attack was foreknown uh, by Washington, but this information was not shared with our military in Hawaii. It's also important to know that the fleet was set up for an attack in Hawaii. I mean, they were put there for that specific reason. Uh, thirdly, it should be known that the attack was provoked. A lot of people don't know why the Japanese attacked us in the first place. And the fourth thing, here again, we have a similarity to 9-11. There was a commission afterwards which covered up Washington's crime, and in this case, they scapegoated the Pearl Harbor commanders. So um, let's start with foreknowledge, guys, uh, of the attack. And I, I think the very first part of that should be to emphasize that this is something that's been validated for many decades. And you can go back to 1944 when the Army Pearl Harbor Board and the Navy's Naval Court of Inquiry investigated Pearl Harbor, and they both concluded that Washington had complete foreknowledge of that attack. And in fact, I'm going to quote the closing words of the Army Pearl Harbor Board's investigation, quote, up to the morning of December the 7th, 1941, everything that the Japanese were planning to do was known to the United States, unquote. You can find that report online. Now, you might be wondering, why, why didn't the American people react with outrage in 1944? And the reason is that Roosevelt, President Roosevelt, suppressed the results on uh, the pretext of national security. And before the results were released, he had um, a new investigations done to supplement these findings. And many naval and uh, army officers had their arms twisted. They were coerced into changing the testimony, so people didn't find out the truth. But you can today. Now, in 1947, George Morgenstern, who was a reporter for the Chicago Tribune, wrote this book. This is a new cover on it. It was called Pearl Harbor, The Story of the Secret War. In 1954, uh, Rear Admiral Robert Theobald, who was in Pearl Harbor Community Destroyers on the day of the attack, wrote this book. It's called uh, The Final Secret of Pearl Harbor, subtitled The Washington Contribution. In 1955, Admiral Kimmel, who'd been our Pacific Fleet Commander at the time, wrote Admiral Kimmel's story, a book which exposed Admiral uh, Washington foreknowledge of the attack. Um, in 1982, John Tolan, Pulitzer Prize winning historian, wrote the book Infamy, which uh, at this point more witnesses come forward, more information was available. Uh, he exposed the foreknowledge of Washington. In 1989, well, I should probably mention in 1986, I wrote the cover story for the New American. Pearl Harbor was surprised FDR was not. I also wrote a cover story for the New American in 1986, so I've been at this for about 30 years. But in 1989, the BBC did a documentary called Sacrifice on Pearl Harbor, which validated all of this information. And in the year 2000, new ground was broken when Robert Stinnett published Day of Deceit, 
based on um, Freedom of Information Act uh, information. So this has been uh, revealed by many sources. Uh, Captain Lord Safford, who uh, won the Legion of Merit as Americans, America's father of naval cryptography, the greatest cryptographer in the history of the Navy, uh, spent much of his life proving that Pearl Harbor was foreknown. So that's just for starters, okay? I just want to establish the fact this is not a tinfoil hat, but uh, we've had leading generals and admirals and Pulitzer Prize winners saying this. Yeah, and it's wow. uh, very well documented, uh, the foreknowledge, and um, it is surprising to many who look back on it. You mentioned that this ta- attack was provoked. Um, how was this attack provoked? Well, um, uh, I'm going to get to that. Do you mind if I just finish with what oh, yeah, the foreknowledge was? Yeah, excuse me. Um, the, in terms of the foreknowledge, there were three ways that uh, Washington and President Roosevelt knew. One was we had cracked Japan's diplomatic code. It was called the Purple Code, which they used to communicate with their embassies and consulates throughout the world. It had to be enciphered and deciphered by a machine. The Japanese thought it was an unbreakable code. They were wrong. Uh, the uh, U.S. Navy cracked it in 1940, and we had our own machines that were decoding those messages on a same-day basis and sending the messages to President Roosevelt. And what did those messages reveal? They revealed that Japanese spies in Honolulu were sending Tokyo the exact locations of our ship in, in dock, which is a, a clear signal that they were targeted for attack. It revealed, those messages revealed that Japan had told the uh, Berlin Embassy, of course Germany was their ally, that war was about to break out. We even decoded their declaration of war before they handed it to Secretary of State Cordell Hull. So uh, we knew the attack was coming uh, through the diplomatic messages, but we did not share that information with our commanders in Hawaii, the Pacific Fleet Commander Husband Kimmel, or the Army Commander there, Walter C. Short. The second of the three ways they knew was through personal warnings. Uh, President Roosevelt and uh, his colleagues uh, in the cabinet received many warnings about the attack. Just to give you an example, uh, Joseph Grew, our ambassador to Japan, sent this message to uh, Roosevelt in 1941, quote, the Peruvian minister has informed a member of my staff that he heard from many sources in the event of trouble breaking out between the United States and Japan, the Japanese intend to make a surprise attack against Pearl Harbor with all their strength, unquote. Also, Brigadier General Elliot Thorpe, you can see him interviewed in that BBC documentary. He was a U.S. military observer in Java, which was then under the control of the Dutch. The Dutch learned of the attack on Pearl Harbor, warned Thorpe. He sent a total of four warnings to Washington about the Pearl Harbor attack until he was finally told, send no more warnings. And if you go into this, you'll find that FDR received warnings from J. Edgar Hoover, the director of the FBI, uh, FGL Weidemann, who was a Dutch military attache uh, in Washington, also warned uh, uh, the chief of staff, General George Marshall. Senator Guy Gillette received information about the attack, which he shared with the president uh, as did uh, Senate, uh, Congressman Martin Dye. So the list just goes on. He knew from many personal warnings. But the third way was what came out in uh, Day of Deceit and the Freedom of Information Act. In that um, book, Robert Stinnett proved we'd also cracked Japan's naval codes, which had not been known prior to that. We were actually reading uh, the, 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 uh, the uh, traffic, the communications traffic of the Japanese fleet as it approached Pearl Harbor. And here's one of the most... Um, significant messages. This is from Admiral Yamamoto to the, to the first air fleet, November the 25th, 1941, quote, the task force, keeping its movement strictly secret and maintaining close guard against submarines and aircraft, 
shall advance into Hawaiian waters, and upon the opening of hostilities shall attack the main force of the United States fleet and deal it a mortal blow. The first air raid is planned for the dawn of X day, exact date to be given by later order, unquote. And obviously, guys, no one could read that intercept and not know what it meant. Um, but those are the three ways that Washington and President Roosevelt knew information they did not choose to share with our commanders in Hawaii. That, that, that's amazing. Um, uh, Mr. Perloff, did, wasn't there a revelation in 1979, I believe it was, about the cables? Um, or, or I'm, I'm approaching this from memory, so I, I don't really sure. remember. Was, was there some sort of uh, NSA or, or revelation or some... Uh, records declassification in 79 or thereabouts where, uh, they released like, uh, I don't know, some information that, that, that perhaps the day of deceit was, was, uh, based upon or in part. Was it, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, that's not ringing an exact bell, but it's probably something that's, I've come across. The public coinciding were probably just not, uh, quite in the same wavelength as exactly what that was, but it's, okay. I know it's tough with science when you're playing something out of your memory and it's not, Fresh in your mind, yeah. All right, but but yeah, I was I'm familiar with the purple code, the the uh, top diplomatic mm-hmm. uh, Japanese diplomatic uh, cipher, which uh, uh, which was uncovered. Wow, that's amazing the, stuff. And uh, what you just shared, a lot of that was news to me. I knew that there, there was foreknowledge, but the uh, uh, how specific it was uh, is very alarming. And why would they allow this attack to take place so they we could get into the war? Just another. Deception, as you said, to get us in the war? Uh, same as with the Lusitania. 80, I believe it was 83% of Americans did not want to get into World War II, according to the Gallup poll. And so they knew they were going to need uh, another incident. And uh, this is where uh, the setting up the fleet at Pearl Harbor and the provocation comes into play. But they were definitely trying to get us into the war for their own motives. You know, they were looking to create the UN, the World Bank, expand communism, um, create uh, the Zionist State of Israel, uh, war profiteering, the usual, the, the usual motives that you can actually find continuity between this and World War One, uh, when they had the, the, created the Fed and the, the uh, League of Nations and the, the mm. Bolshevik Revolution. Um, but let's talk about the setting up of the fleet. Uh, and this only takes a minute or two, but a lot of people, um, you ask them, why was the fleet in Pearl Harbor? They'll say, Wait, they have no idea. Normally our fleet was based on the west coast of the United States. And in 1940, uh, President Roosevelt gave orders that it should be indefinitely based in Hawaii. And the fleet commander at that time was J.O. Richardson. He flew to Washington October the 8th, 1940, and he vigorously protested this decision. And let's uh, go over the reasons why putting the fleet in Hawaii was a bad idea. Number one, Hawaii is in the middle of the ocean, so you can surprise attack it from 360 degrees. Very hard to defend. But if you kept it on its normal berthing on the U.S. West Coast, it's impossible to launch a surprise attack. You'll run into all kinds of commercial shipping out of a, the Japanese would if they were trying to attack it. Okay, number two, our fleet was boxed in like sardines around Fort Island and Pearl Harbor, making the, the right ships right next to each other, super targets for a bomber. You miss one ship, you can hit another one, okay? Um, number three, you had to resupply the fleet over 2,000 miles of Pacific to bring in, you know, oil and supplies and replacement personnel. Number four, you're separating the fleet from their families, which is bad for morale. Number five, Hawaii has very poor dry docks and uh, oil supplies if you're trying to keep the fleet on a war footing. Number six, 37% of the population of Hawaii was ethnically Japanese. So if your relations are tense with Japan, you're setting yourself up for espionage and sabotage. 
very all these reasons not to put the fleet in Pearl Harbor. So, in response to Admiral Richardson, President Roosevelt said he gave him one reason for putting the fleet there. He says it'll deter Japanese aggression. Well, guess what? As of December the seventh, nineteen forty-one, everyone knew it didn't deter Japanese aggression. But the media and mainstream historians never held Roosevelt accountable for this decision. Instead, all the the uh, blame was laid upon the Navy, who were the guys who were trying to prevent this from happening. But uh, this was a setup. It was a bait for the Japanese. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Um, wow. And, you know, you think about that and the, the amount of people that died, the servicemen that died that day. Mm-hmm. And you look at 9-11, um, mm-hmm. and if they're willing to sacrifice, you know, that many servicemen, um, I think what, what happened on 9-11 had a very low body count for what it could have been, but um, you know, it just tells me back then, if you know, 75 years ago they're willing to do this, what are they willing to do today that they weren't mm-hmm. back then? And it, that's just mind-boggling. Yeah, very important for us to understand uh, history and how this has repeated itself over and over again if we're to prevent something like this from happening again. But you asked me about the provocation, and here again is a question that most people don't know, is why did the Japanese attack us in the first place? And again, we were saying that uh, the people were against entering this world war. They, they'd wised up to World War One. They'd, they'd heard about the, the false flag of the Lusitania. They, uh, the Congress had, had determined that bankers had made six billion dollars in um, money, really stolen from the American people for war munitions that were never manufactured or delivered to the front. We're talking about World War One here. It's been very hard for people to be convinced to enter World War Two, and uh, initially. Roosevelt tried provoking Germany um, by having uh, we were uh, escorting British convoys our, our destroyers actually depth charging their U-boats and the Germans were under strict orders not to retaliate because uh, they'd already had that experience with the Lusitania and when America came into the war, First World War on the Allied side that turned the tide against them. They didn't want to repeat that scenario and so in attempting to provoke the the Germans, Roosevelt got no satisfaction. So um, I'll give you a quote um, from, well, you know what? I just want to make sure people understand uh, that uh, what I'm saying here about provoking the Japanese, because a lot of people obviously feel very strongly about Pearl Harbor, is not just coming from someone like me. This is a quote from the British historian Russell Grenfell, who was a captain in the Royal Navy. Quote, this is 1952. Quote, no reasonably informed person can now believe that Japan made a villainous, unexpected attack on the United States. An attack was not only fully expected, but was actually desired. It's beyond doubt that President Roosevelt wanted to get his country into the war, but for political reasons, was most anxious to ensure that the first act of hostility came from the other side, for which reason he caused increasing pressure to be put on the Japanese to a point that no self-respecting nation could endure without resort to arms. Japan was meant by the American president to attack the United States, unquote. And one more quote from an Englishman, Oliver Littleton, who was British uh, Minister of Production. He said, 1944, to the American Chamber of Congress, and this must have gotten some people riled up, but he said, quote, America provoked Japan to such an extent that the Japanese were forced to attack Pearl Harbor. It is a travesty on history to ever say America was forced into the war, unquote. So um, let's talk about uh, the provocation given Japan. Once they realized they weren't going to get any satisfaction from Germany, um, Harold Ickes, who was a member of the cabinet, said to Roosevelt in 1941, quote, our best engines of the world would be by way of Japan. So um, 
Henry Stimson, who was the Secretary of War, said this in his diary that autumn. He said, quote, We face the delicate decision of the diplomatic fencing to be done. So to be sure, Japan is put into the wrong, makes the first bad move, overt move. The question was how we should maneuver them, meaning the Japanese, into the position of firing the first shot. So how do you get them to do that? Well, uh, Lieutenant Commander Arthur McCollum of Naval Intelligence presented President Roosevelt with an eight-step plan of provocation. And his report closed with these words, quote, If by these means Japan could be led to commit an overt act of war, so much the better, unquote. Now, the, uh, the, the culmination, the, the, uh, the center of this uh, eight-step plan of provocation was an all-out trade embargo against Japan, which we enacted in July of 1941. Now, Japan was very dependent on imports for its oil, for its food, for its, uh, many of its natural resources. It couldn't survive uh, without getting these. And uh, the Japanese earnestly uh, negotiated to try to end this trade embargo, which was strangling them. And we said, we want you to pull all, your, all of your troops out of the, the, off the Asian continent into Japan. And so they offered a compromise. They said, listen, we'll pull all of our troops out of Southeast Asia, all of our troops out of Southern China, but we need a foothold in Manchuria, which was uh, basically northern China. The reason was that Stalin and communism were on the move. They'd taken over outer Mongolia. They'd taken over the uh, the northwestern province of Xinjiang. The Japanese could see the writing on the wall. If both uh, Russia and uh, China became communist, they were going to be destroyed by communism. And they felt, just as we have our own Monroe Doctrine, that they had the right to to uh, create a military presence that would stave off the communists. Well, we said no. We gave them an ultimatum on uh, November the 26th, 1941, and we now know, uh, this is even acknowledged by Time Magazine, the man who wrote that ultimatum was Harry Dexter White, who was an acknowledged agent of Joseph Stalin. And the ultimatum said, no, you must pull all your troops back into the mainland of Japan. You cannot have any troops overseas. I can imagine if somebody told that to the United States today. So the Japanese looked at this and they said, We've got, you've given us a catch-22. We can die by starvation for this trade embargo, or we can pull our troops back in and we'll die from communism. And they were right about communism, by the way. It did sweep uh, China and Asia after the war, of course, and that's why you had the Vietnam and Korean Wars, and, and um, China became Red China. So the Japanese said, uh, to heck with you. If you give us a choice between death and death, we'll fight it out with honor. And then they had that uh, irresistible bait, which uh, Roosevelt gave them in Pearl Harbor, a, a target that could not be resisted. So they knew they would get the edge, and that's exactly what uh, Roosevelt intended. Very interesting. And, and uh, I'd like to point out that uh, you do cover some of this in your book, Truth is a Lonely Warrior. Uh, am I true. correct? I open with Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and folks, we're, we're speaking with James Perloff. His website, jamesperloff.com. That's P-E-R-L-O-F-F dot com. jamesperloff.com. Just a magnificent wealth of information here about uh, a number of things, history, and of course, uh, the, uh, the larger, uh, forces behind this, this, uh, rush toward global destruction. Uh, go, go ahead and continue because we, we've got about, uh, six minutes left here. I don't want to, Squander any of your time, so uh, just go ahead and continue as as you as you see uh, as you as you wish. Uh, well, Pearl Harbor uh, is another one of those events in history that's uh, you know advanced the New World Order again. It created the uh, the UN. It uh, out of that came the World Bank and the IMF. 
uh, globalism. Communism advanced. Uh, communism spread all into the Balkans, and uh, as we were saying, it swept into Asia and led to the tragedies of the Korean and uh, Vietnam War. But it's part of a continuum. Uh, again, Spanish-American War with the main World War One with the Lusitania. I do have a very extensive uh, blog post on the Lusitania called "False Flag at Sea." But that's been covered in books like uh, Room 40 by Patrick Beasley, who was in British Naval Intelligence, and uh, uh, The Lusitania by Cole, uh, Colin Simpson, excellent reading uh, on history. And again, these get ignored by the mainstream press, but it's all part of that flow, you know. The Tonkin Gulf, where we were not even attacked, and we got into a war where we lost uh, 58,000 uh, American lives. And um, uh, the bombing of Libya in 1986, which was uh, uh, actually... Uh, Instigated by a um, false messages uh, from a, a, a transmitter planted in, in Libya by the Mossad, and again the incubator babies of '91 leading us into fight uh, against Saddam Hussein um, over the the Kuwait issue, and again 9/11. So um, again and again we've been tricked by the same global elite, the same forces actually uh, behind our government, and that's what my book Truth as a Lonely Warrior is about. Um, it's really a primer, and I, you know, I start out with um, the uh, who the global elite are. We talk about the Council on Foreign Relations, which uh, my my earlier book, The Shadows of Power, was a history of that sold over 100,000 copies, and that's the the conduit by which the elite control our government. That's how they school their statesmen. That's how the the Goldman Sachs guy gets to be a Secretary of State, and uh, the book also talks about the Fed, the false flags, the um, um, has a full chapter on 9/11, a chapter on the Vietnam War, a chapter on uh, population control, a chapter on vaccines as a, as a subdivision of that, a chapter on the international organizations like the Bilderbergers. It's it's designed to be a primer that you can give to your friends who are skeptical uh, of these things. And I've also wrote the script for the movie Shattering, which came out last year. It's narrated by Kevin Sorbo, um, noted Hollywood actor, uh, made by Freebind Films. And we've got quite a few people from alt media in that, people like uh, Joyce Riley, Ben Swan, uh, Gerald Salanti, many other folks, uh, Pastor Chuck Baldwin. And that's a primer also for people who are uh, more accustomed to video than to reading, uh, younger people. And it talks about false flags, uh, the Fed, the CFR, media control, and the drive for world government. And that's about all you can fit into a two-hour movie, right? <laughs> but uh, we're all working in this game together. You, uh, I, Sean, we're all working to wake people up to this uh, satanic order that is uh, ultimately aiming for a world government. And you know what the, uh, the the Bible says in the book of Revelation, that the Antichrist is going to govern the world. Well, to govern the world, you need a world government. And we're trying to expose that, waking people up to the uh, the danger to themselves physically, but also the uh, the spiritual uh, backside uh, or front side to all of this. Um, Mr. Perloff, we only have a few minutes left. Um, from the extensive amount of work you've done uh, on these topics and uh, where we are today in current events, do you see uh, similarities? Are we on the cusp of a World War III type situation? Are we one event away? Or are we a series of events away from that, in your opinion? I'm concerned that we are. For one thing, the alternative media is, I think, it's, it's put a chill into the uh, elite, and they feel that, um, you know, that was predicted by Albert Pike uh, a long time ago. If you look at the world wars, that's usually what you need. If, you know, to get a uh, the World Bank, they needed World War II. To get a global currency, they uh, probably would need a World War III. To get the UN, they needed World War II. To get a full world government, you probably need a World War III. I'm, I don't like that cover. I never liked the covers on The Economist, which is Rothschild-owned, but the 2000 
is, is the world in 2017 has tarot cards on it, and the death tarot card has a nuclear bomb exploding. I am concerned about the possible advent of a nuclear weapon war. Uh, I don't think they'd have an all-out Dr. Strangelove type ending where everybody gets nuked. They want a world government where people are going to worship Satan. But I am concerned about some type of nuclear provocative event sometime in the near future. So I think we need to be more vigilant than ever before and praying as hard as we can. No, you're absolutely right. And um, I think one thing you know this last presidential election, election cycle has done is woke up a, uh, mm-hmm. or brought a large number of people into uh, alternative media because they saw what the mainstream yes. media and how biased they were towards Hillary Clinton. And I think if we ever had a chance to um, have the uh, the people paying attention uh, understand, you know, the dangers that are around us and the times we are in, it's now, now more than ever. I think we can af- affect the change. And my dad actually went and grabbed the cover of the uh, the Economist magazine. And as you said, that's Rothschild. And, oh, that's the, the new one, the tarot cards. Okay, I haven't seen that yet. Can't get more uh, obvious than that. Yeah, there it is. Uh, is that sharper? All right. Well, uh, Mr. Perloff, we are at the end of the segment. I want to thank you for coming on tonight. And again, uh, hope we can have you back in the future to talk more uh, extensively about uh, a lot of this stuff because we just only scratched the surface on Pearl Harbor. And um, you actually were born right by where we live. Uh, yeah, we're not too far in from uh, northwest Pennsylvania, right up on Lake Erie. So. Oh, interesting. But the, one more thing we have in common. Well, I always like to say that uh, they've got money on their side. We've got truth on our side, as Sean was uh, was mentioning before. So thanks for being part of the Truth Movement. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for appearing with us. God bless. That was James Perloff. Again, his website, jamesperloff.com. And uh, I'm sure he will come on again in the future. Great guy. Uh, yeah, three books, The Shadows of Power, Tornado in a Junkyard, and The Case Against Darwin. And uh, folks, Truth is a lonely warrior, too. Yeah, yeah. Folks, we'll be right back with Pastor David Langford right after these messages. Stay with me. to you strong, closing out the year strong, 2016, 2017 coming right in. And, of course, you know, folks, you know, here is the cover for The Economist, the Rothschild-owned publication, The World 2017. Interesting set of, what, eight tarot cards there, all Donald Trump, and certainly uh, suggestive of mayhem, chaos, and... uh, that's uh, kind of a predictor for the immediate future. And the, the one headline that's on there is that say Planet Trump. Yes. Well, it's it's a it's actually here. Yeah, it's a um, it's kind of a, a tab, if you will, on that Planet Trump. And it's all all the tarot cards are, are show Donald Trump. We certainly are involved in chaos, aren't we? I mean, uh, experiencing chaos, whether it's global, domestic, or even within our own spheres, our homes, our businesses, uh, our associations. Aren't we seeing chaos on the rise? We certainly are. You know, I always like to be prepared, and I would like to direct everyone to tradingpostinthewoods.com. What a fantastic resource website 
and general store, if you will, like those of your grandparents and great-grandparents. Think of an online store uh, that is actually set up to provide you with the necessary homesteading supplies, skills, and training, the homeopathy, herbal preparedness skills, homesteading skills, and all of the products to go with that. Imagine going back in time to your great-grandparents' days when, when they relied on natural remedies. Tradingpostinthewoods.com tradingpostinthewoods.com they've responded to 18 major disasters in 27 years they've got 27 years of combined experience the owners have learned firsthand about the destruction chaos lack of preparedness and the reality after the storm and the response of humanity in a disaster they have a passion to help those who want to be prepared and uh, they show it we, we had Eve Gonzalez on from Trading Post in the Woods and what a great source of information their product line is second to none. And that's what we do here at the Hagman and the Hagman Reporters offer you the best of the best. And Trading Post in the Woods.com offers the best of everything. You've got to spend some time. You can spend hours, as a matter of fact, their website at Trading Post in the Woods.com. I, I would suggest you do in, indeed do so because it's easier than you think to start preparing your family for off the grid life or for any disaster. Nothing is more calming in a crisis than knowing that you're prepared to handle the crisis for as long as it takes. And, you know, TradingPostInTheWoods.com, they established their business to share decades of experience to help others to avoid the many common mistakes and errors and to begin preparing for what comes, uh, what becomes a, a clearly a certainty with every passing year. Folks, a visit tradingpostinthewoods.com that's tradingpostinthewoods.com one more time tradingpostinthewoods.com this hour uh, as we do every Wednesday we are joined by Pastor David Langford from the Voice of Evangelism Pastor Langford it's great to have you back on the show oh, it's a great joy to be with you and uh, your dad both tonight Joe uh, where do you want to start tonight Pastor uh, we got a number of things that uh, have come up in the last week and uh, a number of continuing stories that that we've talked about on air um we're, we're on the 75th need. anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Yeah, that's right. And and we're in need of your uh spiritual B12 shot, pastor. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I I do think it's important that we do remember the profound sacrifice that the generation of World War II gave and gave so much and you know, when we witness these lemmings burning the flag and doing the things that they do in America, they have no idea uh, what it cost for true liberty. Uh, and I respect the humility of all the service people who have served in the military forces that still say to these people, you know, that's your right, but it hurts me. I mean, that's untold humility and meekness, and it takes a lot of power personal strength to refrain from harming and injuring those who would try to do such things to the American flag. It reminds me a lot of of God's wrath. You know, it takes more power to keep your temper at bay than to turn it loose and wreak havoc. Um, 
to to refrain from doing anything that's detrimental, saying anything. You know, when I was a teenager, you know, I was basically a hammer and everything looked like a nail. And um, I, I look at these people who served our country and, you know, especially people who have sacrificed so much. And then to be shown such disdain and, and contempt, it just really begs description. And this is why we must keep, you know, the memory of what these people did, even though we know it was corrupt, it was collusion, uh, we needed a, a reason to get into the war. And um, I was listening to your last uh, guest, and this is all by design. It, you know, and I was thinking as I was listening to him, you know, war is permeated throughout the scriptures. I mean, we're looking for the, the, the Gog, the Magog War, the Battle of Armageddon, uh, Ezekiel 38, 39, uh, Psalms 83, uh, Exodus 15:3 says, The Lord is a man of war, the Lord is his name. Uh, and when he comes back in Revelation 19, 11, he doth judge and make war. God is a man of war. But when he comes, thank God, he'll cease. Uh, all wars will cease after he sets up his eternal kingdom. But up to that point in time, you know, this is what we need to understand is going to continue on. Um, Matthew 24, 6, Jesus said, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So every listener out there tonight, you need to continue to look for war. Because Jesus said, these things will happen, but the end is not yet. Just because we, we go into another third world war, which is by design. Albert Pike said there will be a first world war, a second world war, and then a third world war. And we know we have to be close, because he said in the third world war, he'd have the Christians, the Muslims, and the Jews fighting each other. And so you got the Israelis, many of the rabbinical Jews, priests that are wanting Trump to help build the temple. So there's a lot of things going on, and uh, there's a great mystique in all of this as we watch Donald Trump and his cavalier disposition. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next little while. Yes, it will. And, um, you know, there, there's so much going on um, and so much being uncovered every day uh, with this. You know, we're talking about the, the Pizzagate story. And then you have the Pope coming out, and one of the big things we were talking about this week and is this fake news um, narrative that's being pushed across the, the media. And the Pope today, you know, made some just very interesting statements and disturbing statements, I would say, as he compared, I don't know if you saw this, Pastor Langford, but he compared uh, the media and fake news giving fake stories and spreading fake stories, smearing politicians, as the same as uh, corporophilia or as eating excrement. And he used that term. Uh, and he said eating ex excrement or arousal from excrement. And this is exactly what it was in the Podesta emails in, in reference to the spirit cooking. And by the way, I should say that that's a very obscure um, uh, uh, yeah. criminally forensic, criminal forensic term. Not too many people said, know that. They said, using precise psychological terms, he said, scandal-mongering media risk falling prey to corporophilia uh, or, or arousal from excrement. Yeah, and then he apologized for using those terms to get his point across. But then he goes back, and he, he even said that uh, 
um, it's uh, the media has to be very clear, very transparent, and not fall into, no offense, the sickness of corporophilia that is always wanting to cover scandals, nasty things, even if they are true, he said. Well, you know, let's be realistic. A, a, a man that speaks like that, his mind is without a doubt a reprobate mind. He lives in the gutter, uh, to use the, that kind of verbiage, that, that uh, garbage. A refuse is just is is sickening, but this is this is what's happening. You know, I tell people, you know, even though God has seemingly, we don't know yet. I mean, Donald Trump has not even been inaugurated yet. We don't know um, if God has given us a reprieve through this election, through people crying out to God. Uh, this is just this is just simply a parenthetical time. The scriptures are going to be fulfilled. I don't care what happens. Paul told us in Second Timothy three thirteen, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Not only are these people like the Pope deceived, Podesta, whoever, they are deceivers. They they go about deceiving more because that's what there is happening to their lives. They're being deceived, and we know you know Doug. We, we last week we addressed the power of deception. And, and, and that is, when you are deceived, you believe you are absolutely right. But the truth is, you're absolutely wrong, but you can't see that because you're under a delusion. You have no way to get out of that unless the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ break that blindness. You will remain in that state. You cannot get out of that state of your own will and volition. Second Corinthians 4, 4, Paul said, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ would shine unto them. It's, it's, it is impossible. It is impossible for these people to see unless God's light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them, Paul said. And if God so chooses not to shine that light upon their minds, they will remain in that state of delusion and deception. You know, this is why you know God says he resists the proud. James 4, 6, wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, pride is blinding. That was, that was Lucifer's whole issue. I will be like the Most High God. He said that five times. Uh, he was determined to overthrow God. Somehow he was so deceived, so delusional, he thought he could do that. He actually believed he could do that. That's why he is a deceiver. That's who he is. He was deceived. And I, I tell people, you know, Isaiah uh, 14 and, and Ezekiel 28 tells us how greatly Lucifer was arrayed with all these beautiful jewels. I mean, he was totally arrayed. And, 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 and the beauty was untold. Ezekiel twenty eight fifteen said, That was perfect in all thy ways from the day that thou was created until iniquity was found in thee. And then in verse 17 says, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Okay, so his beauty corrupted his wisdom. He, he initially had godly wisdom, but it became a perverted, corrupted wisdom, thus it becomes a spirit of deception. But I, I tell people what you have to understand, 
though he was arrayed with all these precious stones, you know, the sars, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and so forth, he was sitting beside of the light, which was Jesus Christ. And so you take the most beautiful sapphire, the most beautiful emerald, the most beautiful onyx, and walk into a dark room and hold it in the palm of your hand. You can't see anything. But what makes it beautiful is when you put light on that stone. And then that stone begins to demonstrate its beauty, but the beauty would never be made manifest unless you had the light. And so as he sat beside the light of Jesus Christ, he thought his beauty, see, was coming from himself. But it wasn't. It was coming from the presence of God. And so he said, Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings. So the illumination, the light on him, made him look so extravagant, so ornate. But without the light, there was nothing to see. The first thing God did in creation, he said, let there be light, because the light dispels the darkness. And, and it's like walking into a dark room. When you turn the light on, where does the darkness go? John 1, 5, in him was life, and the life, he was the light of life. And, and the light shineth into the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness cannot comprehend the light, so it is immediately dispelled as we turn the light on. The darkness just goes. I don't know where it goes, but it, it, it has to go. Well, that's the power of Christ's presence in our lives. When Christ takes up residence in our lives, the darkness has to go. It can't stay there. And so now we think like we ought to think. We think correctly. We think soberly. We think righteously. But Satan, he said, because your heart was lifted up because of your beauty, and you have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. So, you know, this is the power of deception, and, 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 and we all should earnestly stay in the Word, bathe our minds in the Word, and, and have a committed prayer life so that we don't become deceived, or we, we don't fall into the snare of the devil. Because I'm telling you, he is certainly out to, to, to snare every, every believer in any way that he can. He doesn't, he doesn't care how he does it. As Jesus said, he comes for one thing, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And uh, it's, it's important that we keep ourselves you know, from falling into that snare, because I'm telling you, he sets out snares. Um, Paul in 2 Timothy 2, 26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Don't ever think Satan doesn't have a will for your life, just like God has a will and a plan for your life. Satan has a counter plan, a counter plot against God's will for your life. You see it contiguous through the entire Bible. Everything that God planned for somebody's life, the devil countered that with some way to destroy it. So, you know, he told Peter, Luke twenty-two thirty-one. he said, Simon Peter, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you as sweet. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Jesus said he's desired. The Greek says that uh, Satan exceedingly demanded that Jesus give him Peter's soul. That's what the Greek says. And so Paul says there are those that are uh, taken captive by Satan at his will. 
So just as God has a will and a design and a plan for our lives, Satan, his emissaries, they come along with a counter plan that is totally destructive, and of course we want to avoid that. And the only way to avoid that is to seek God's counsel and God's wisdom, because, I mean, the devil, he's really on the prowl, and you're going to see it intensify in the coming days. You know what, Pastor, um, as we research, and pardon my going off here on a tangent perhaps, but I don't Go think ahead, it brother. is. As we research what is known as Pizzagate, the the pedophilia that, that's taking place, the child sacrifices, satanic ritual abuse, all horrible topics, all horrific elements of the worst of the worst of society. And I mean, we're up to our necks in, in the research, doing the research and looking at what is taking place in, inside the inside the halls of power, not just domestically, but globally. This, to me, this is the most import, important, um, uh, this displays, in my view anyway, this displays the, the um, not just delusion, but the active um, war that's being fought. It, not just, well, it's, it's the war that we are fighting in the heavens as well here on earth. In other words, um, I, I guess the reason it's so important, in my view anyway, is that there are people out there who are beholden to Lucifer, beholden to Satan, that, that are actually, they're foot soldiers, I guess. And they're spreading not just the delusion, or not just the chaos, but also the delusion. And many people are being embraced or encompassed within that delusion. But, um, I, I don't know, I just see all of this being tied together, which, again to me exemplifies the importance of the spiritual nature of our lives. If you look at if you look at the bigger picture of everything, this to me shows that yes, I mean, not only is there good and evil, but good and evil are warring right now and uh, the battle of course the, the victor, the uh, spoils of the battle are our souls and the souls of the people. The people in power are trying to uh, they're, they're I'm not even sure I'm making sense, but 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 our souls are the spoils of the war that's taking place. You know what I mean? And that's why it's so important. Well, you know, that Jesus died to save mankind, and Satan comes along to destroy mankind. Yeah, and as you well right. said, the souls are the spoils. That that's that's the the booty, uh, Zephaniah, Zechariah. That's that's the that's that's the, that's what they get. Uh, one of them's going to get. You know, this is why it's so important to understand. You know, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And 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 every man, woman, boy, and girl, at the age of accountability, is going to spend eternity in one of the two places. And Satan has all these people in this power. This is all in the flesh, but they're seeking the supernatural, demonic power to empower them in the flesh. You know, God gives us power through the Word and through his blood, and through the Holy Ghost. Satan gives men power through demons, uh, evil. It's believed the more evil they become, the more power they possess. But, but what they're doing, they're becoming more controlled by the evil. You know, But they somehow think that power is within them. See? But it, it's satanic. 
and, and it's as soon as they go out into eternity, that that they thought they had is lost. They they, they lose it immediately, and um, this is this is why you go back to deception. You know, I was telling John Robertson today. Satan always appeals to people's flesh. He has nothing to offer the spirit. Because God breathed into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul. So every appeal that Satan makes is for your flesh. Every appeal that God makes is for your spirit, because it's eternal. But because we all possess that Adamic nature, if we're not careful, we fall. You know, we have that tendency to fall into the works of the flesh. Because we are fleshly, we're, we're, we're bound by the flesh, and uh, we'll live in it till we die. But these people get this uh, rush, uh, the more deviant, the more debased, the greater the debauchee, uh, the more they're energized. And, and it's just pure demonic. And they don't even know that they're being controlled by those powers, but they are. And uh, people who have been in that world and have come out will tell you it is a real world out there. And it's a world that we can't see in the natural. It is a world that exists. It is a spiritual world. It is a dark world. That's why all this takes place in the confines of darkness. John three nineteen and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The Oakland fire, when did that happen? Night. Uh, most prostitution, gambling, uh, pornography, all of this is under the disguise of night. Uh, because that's where Satan operates, in darkness. And uh, Jesus, he said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And these people, uh, Joe and Doug, for the most part, they're reprobates. They, they, they are lost. They have pierced through a spiritual membrane, and they'll never get back. They'll never get back. Because there goes a, there's, there's a point in time, Genesis Six and three, God said, My spirit will not always strive with man. At that particular time of creation and history, God had had enough. He said, I'm going to destroy man whom I made. He was no longer going to contend for the souls of men. So he destroyed the earth and the Noadic flood. And, um, and of course, the devil, I really feel like that's one of the things God showed me several years ago. Satan is trying to take us right back to this state where the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That is actually Satan's goal here in the end is to take us back into that catastrophic uh, flood, whatever you have, you want to term it, the, 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 uh, the gap theory, you know, Genesis 1, 1 and 2 in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. So whatever God created was good. But when Satan rebelled, uh, the cosmos, the vicissitudes, everything was just blown away. The world as we know it, or, 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 or as it was, they believe the whole universe, everything. It was such a catastrophic event. And then God created again. And then after the end of the seventh millennium, in Revelation 21, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. But uh, going back to my, my point, in Revelation one and eight, uh, Revelation 11 and 18, it says, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets and to the saints, 
and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. He's going to destroy them which destroy the earth. And the word destroy there in the Greek is actually corrupt. So Satan wants to take us back to Genesis 1 and 2, where we're without form and void and darkness. And so with all of these people that are seeking power in the world, that's really where they're taking us, through all this perversion and disgusting behavior. This is, this is, the, this is the nature of Satan, and that's where we're going. Pastor Langford, we are uh, at the uh, break. When we come back from the break, I want, if you can reiterate with what you opened with, uh, how it's easier to, um, I, I don't know, I can't remember exactly how you phrase it, but it's easier, I think you said something about falling into temptation rather than um, sure. seeking God to come out of it. Uh, sure. We, we can start there. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Wednesday edition. Pastor Langford from The Voice of Evangelism is our guest. We'll be right back with our final segment with Pastor Langford after these messages. Stay with us. Pastor, Pastor David Langford, thevoiceofevangelism.com, two books, uh, Revelation 13 Revealed. It's one of my favorite books about Revelation. It, it, it's a great commentary, great, uh, it really, it really adds dimension to Revelation 13. And of course, the book of Jude. Go to thevoiceofevangelism.com for those books. And of course, very proud to say, Pastor David Langford is the official pastor of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Before we get back to Pastor Langford, I just want to ask you a question. When we talk seeds, seed banks, what do you think of? If you don't think of TexasReady.net, then you're making a big mistake. Not all seed banks are made the same. TexasReady.net has seed banks that are the Cadillac of seed banks. Folks, if you don't know what you're doing, if if you don't have the research TexasReady.net is the place to go uh, because you can you can make big mistakes when you go out and, and buy seed banks and they're not inexpensive. Your mistakes could cost you money, but more importantly, could cost you your your life basically. If especially if you're thinking of, about using seeds to uh, survive in in a, a situation where you need to to plant and you're depending on a crop. Folks, go to TexasReady.net. TexasReady.net. TexasReady has sort of the certified certified seeds. Most seed bank companies don't because they cost more. TexasReady also takes into account your geographic area. If you don't know how to garden, they've got several excellent reference books that help you grow plenty of nutrient-dense food. TexasReady.net is the, the best of the best. And we met the owner, Lucinda Bailey, uh, she's called the seed lady, and she really knows her seeds. Now, the Texas Ready seeds come in a refurbished U.S. Army ammo can, which has, they all have the moisture seals. 
Uh, most most people don't know that uh, vermin rats can eat through number 10 cans and even thick plastic tubes. This is why you need to store your seeds in this type of container. Folks, go to uh, texasready.net. They've got 80-plus varieties of vegetables and fruits, including eight dual-purpose herbs, culinary and medicinal purposes. The larger banks come with training manuals, which teach you how to garden properly. Check out their website at texasready.net. That's texasready.net. Pastor Langford is our guest from the Voice of Evangelism. He has a, a radio show right here on Blog Talk Radio, um, and the Voice of Evangelism is also the website. Pastor Langford, when you were, uh, came on at the, the top of the hour, you made a statement um, about how it's harder to... It, you said it's something along the lines, it's harder to um, basically not react to something uh, versus the reaction. Well... We are, you know, as human beings, we are incarcerated in our, our earthen vessels or clay jars. Some of us are crackpots. Um, and our tendency is to react to the flesh. I said Satan never makes an appeal for your spirit. He always makes an appeal for your flesh. Jesus Christ did not have an Adamic nature. We all have an Adamic nature. We have sin in our blood and our loins. Jesus did not have that, though he was made flesh. That's why he was conceived of the Holy Ghost, because the blood of a child comes from its father. So he had to be a sinless offering and sacrifice for the sins of mankind. And that's why we struggle so often, whether it's alcohol, pornography, drugs, lust of the flesh sex, whatever, is because that's where Satan makes his appeal. When he tempted Eve in the garden, he made this, you know, declaration, uh, you know, talk about the tree in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Or she's, that's what Eve is saying to the devil. And the devil said to the woman, you shall not surely die. And, and then when he tells her, when you eat this fruit, your eyes are going to be opened, and you shall be as gods, and you're going to know good and evil. So the Bible said when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that would be the lust of the flesh. Secondly, it was pleasant to the eyes. That would be the lust of the eyes. Thirdly, a tree to be desired to make one wise. That would be the pride of life. And to prove that Satan doesn't change his method or mode, when Jesus was tempted of the devil, what was the first thing he said to Jesus? If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. That was a temptation to the lust of the flesh. He took him up to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And as a real a real message in that. But he said, you know, cast yourself down for his, your, the, the Lord will send angels to deliver you and catch you lest you uh, dash your foot against a stone. All right, that would have been uh, an act of pride. So now we have the pride of life. And then the third one was, he showed him the exceeding kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said, if you will just fall down and worship me, I will give these kingdoms and the glory of them to you. 
that again was the lust of the flesh. So he worked through Eve, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He came to Jesus, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we know that to be scriptural because John said in 1 John 2, 15, 16, love not the world. What was the devil offering Jesus? All the kingdoms of the world. So John says in 1 John 2, 15, 16, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but it is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So Satan may uh, you know, juggle things around a little bit, but he's always going to come through those three gates. I call them gates. The gateway to your soul is through the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so if we don't seek to keep our mind on spiritual things, Romans 8, 5 says, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or hostile against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And this is why Satan comes to your flesh. He never comes to your spirit. Because if you're spiritual, you're pleasing God. If you're fleshly minded, you're submitting to the devil and his whims or caprice or whatever he's trying to bring into your life. And and so what was Jesus doing when he was tempted? He was fasting. That's why it's so hard to fast. Because Adam and Eve fell in disobedience by eating something they were not to. And so Jesus broke that curse and fasted and had power over the devil because every time the devil tempted him, Jesus kept quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. And um, he quoted uh, Deuteronomy 8, 3, 6 and 16, and 6 and 13. Because the book of Deuteronomy is known as the book of obedience. Jesus was totally obedient to the Father. And I, I, I encourage husbands, I encourage wives to pray together. You know, I, I, I shared this when Steve and I were on the program some time ago in Dallas. You guys were there this year. We were in Dallas. Friday night, I uh, was in the altar praying. Russ Dizdar had the service, I believe, it that night. And, and I was just in the altar praying with people. And I, I walked up to a particular couple, and I said to the husband, I said, do you pray with your wife? He said, no. I said, you need to start praying with your wife. Didn't know why I said that. But I preached Sunday morning. And you guys saw three or 400 people were in the altar crying out to God in repentance. As I was coming off the podium to get ready to go for the baptismal service, the couple stopped me. And the brother was crying. And he said, the reason I could not pray with my wife, I was committing adultery. And this morning, after you preached, I've shared my heart to my wife. She's forgiven me. I've asked God to forgive me. We're reconciling our marriage, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, he, he, he was not having devotions with her 
because he couldn't in a pure heart because he was not living as he should. Matter of fact, when, when, when Steve and I were at Jim Baker's uh, back in August, they, they, they were there. They, they came there. They're, they're still reconciled. My point is, you need to have devotions with your spouse. It'll strengthen your marriage. It'll strengthen your constitution. It will make you accountable. Let me let me say this. I want to make this as simple as I can to every listener. You're either going to, if you continue to pray, something is going to happen. You're going to stop sinning, or you're going to stop praying. It, it's just that simple. You cannot get down on your knees on a daily, regular basis, or night, or whenever it is. Read your Bible and pray and have devotions with your spouse and keep sinning. You, you'll either stop the sin or you'll stop the praying. It, 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 I know that sounds so simplistic, but your conscience, if you have a good, godly conscience, you, you will get fed up with failing. You'll get sick and tired of, of, of missing the mark and say, I'm going to stop this. You know, Jesus said, Paul said in Ephesians 4.27, he said, be angry and sin not. Which simply means you can take your anger of failure and say, this will not happen to me again. I, I, I refuse to let this, whatever it might be, I refuse to let this have dominion over me. John eight thirty four. he that committeth sin is the servant of sin. And, uh, you know, I, I refuse. There's a, there's a scripture verse I quote all the time, Psalms 119, verse 133. And it says, Order my steps in thy word that no iniquity may have dominion over me. And that word dominion there means lordship or authority. And I pray all the time, don't ever let anything, Lord, have authority over my life but you and your word. Now, you know, I, I, I'm like the psalmist David. Now, I was once young, and I'm now getting old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor seed begging bread. I can reflect and look back as David did in Psalms 37 and 23. I'm doing the same thing right now. God has never failed me. God has never let me down. God has never disappointed me. If anybody has ever failed, it was me, not God. But, you know, when I gave my heart to the Lord back in 1978, I made up my mind I was going to live right. I was determined, and, and nobody lived any more vile, any more wicked than I. I'm like Paul the Apostle. I was the chiefest of sinners. and But I was determined. I was determined to live right and make it. Because as we get older, we see how short life is. And uh, you know, I'm well on the other side of the hill uh, in my life. And I want to now take what God has given me and put it into other people's lives. You know, before I die, I want to put everything God has given me in, back into people for their strength, for their encouragement, for their endurance, for their determination. Uh, you know, somebody's always gone before us and uh, made the path for us. And, and I want to enlarge that path uh, for people as well. And, uh, you know, the only thing that sets people free is truth. You know, when we begin to hear all these news things, the collusion and the news media, people begin to hear the truth, and they were being set free, and they decided, we're tired of this, we're going to change. So they, they voted. They voted a different way because they wanted deliverance. They wanted, they wanted truth. They want to be free. There's nothing greater than freedom. You know, if you've ever been incarcerated, and I've been there regretfully, um, it's a terrible thing to be locked up, you know? You lose your freedoms, you lose your rights, you lose your privileges. Uh, 
and and people want to God meant for man to be free and uh, and the devil see he's he's the one that brings captivity Jesus said I've come to set at liberty them that are bruised uh, to, to to set them free and Satan wants us in a in a state of captivity and he doesn't care how he does it you don't have to be behind bar bars to be a captive there can be something in your life that holds you captive unforgiveness bitterness drugs alcohol anything can hold you captive and you just you're in a prison you know you can be in a prison in your mind you you can have unforgiveness uh you can have bitterness you can have malice and and, and envy and in your mind, you see a person, and all of a sudden, it just takes control of your life. Uh, uh, I, I knew a preacher, bless his heart, he's dead and gone now, uh, a good friend, but he had great animosity toward another minister. And uh, back in the day, 20 years ago, I, I, I played golf, and uh, he played golf. And, and if I wanted to mess up his golf game, I would mention that other preacher's name, and he would just go to pieces. <laughs> He did, and I and I said one day I said Junior, I said you, you need to let it go, brother. I said just the very mention of that man's name, you you he hit a golf shot right in the water, the lake, and and I told the guy I said watch what I'm gonna mess him up. He said you are. I said watch what I'm gonna do to him because I could do it to him on a just flip a switch, but that's how much bitterness and unforgiveness he had, and 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 you, I could I could demonstrate. I could just mention the man's name, and I would do it so subtly. And, and he wouldn't even realize. And I'd say, "Man, you got to you got to let that go. You've got to let the past go." But you know, he he just couldn't do it because he was he was hurt. He was hurt over a church situation, and so you see, he was he was captive. That thing held him captive. So no, he wasn't in, in a prison. He wasn't behind bars. And he lived his life, but it still held him hostage. And I refused. That's why I, I quoted that verse. Order my steps and my word. Let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Anything that has authority over you is the Lord of your life. It it, it, it dictates. It controls your mind, your emotions, uh, your thoughts, uh, how you do things, how you handle things. Um, that's why I gave the scripture there in John eight thirty four. He that committed sin is the servant of sin. I want you to think about that. In other words, you serve it. You, you are you are you are slave to whatever that is, and that is your master. Romans six fourteen. For sin shall not have dominion over you. That's what Paul is saying. Same thing as David said there in Psalms one nineteen one thirty three. Uh, Psalm I mean uh, Romans six twelve. Let not sin therefore reign. R e i g n. There again, lordship authority reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. You know, I don't want, I don't want to be a servant and have to obey anything. But when you live in the the moment, the flesh or whatever, it'll it'll take control of your life. And uh, you know, I, I don't want I don't want that for anyone. I I hate to see any person held captive by anything because that's exactly why Jesus died. Luke 4.18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So in that one verse, he covers the totality of a person's life. 
to heal the brokenhearted. There's no drug. There, there's no uh, vial uh, of medicine that can heal a broken heart. But God can. He said he came to preach deliverance to the captives. Well, people can be held captive by a, 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 a morass of things. But he said, I've come to give you deliverance to recovering of sight to the blind. We spoke earlier about the, the, how the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Jesus wants those people to see the truth. But unless they open up to the truth, they'll remain blind. And then to set at liberty them that are bruised. You know, we've been hurt, we've been harmed by someone or something. He said, I want to give you liberty. I want to set you free from that. Because it, it holds people hostage. And John eight thirty two or John eight thirty six, whom the Son hath set free is free indeed. And there's a great freedom uh, when you're not held captive by anything. You know, um, that's the blessing of redemption. You know, sin holds us hostage. It, it, it wrecks our lives. It wrecks relationships, homes, families, businesses. I mean, it, sin is, is, a, is a cancer. But when the blood of Jesus Christ is applied and redemption has done its work, we're free from all of that. Now, that, that doesn't mean, you know, the wreck and the mess is still there. But we're free from it, and then we begin to build on good ground. You know, David said in Psalms 23, verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. When I look over my shoulder, I want to see goodness and mercy. I don't want judgment. I don't want penalty. You know, I don't want none of that stuff from God. And, and God will chastise those whom he loves. But I want to see goodness and mercy following me. And that can only happen when you're doing the right things. You know, I sowed a lot of bad seed, and I had to reap a lot of bad stuff. But, you know, for the last 38, 39 years, I have been sowing nothing but good seed. And I expect to reap good things in my life because the Bible says... You reap what you sow, you know. Um, mm. The first thing I had to do when I gave my heart to the Lord was surrender my driver's license for a year for a DUI. I, I sowed that I had to reap it. But it was the best thing that happened to me. I, God took that evil and turned it into something good. It disciplined me to do three things, fast, pray, and memorize Bible scriptures. Because my days of running up and down the road were over with. I just had driving privileges so I could go to work, and that was it. But that was the best thing that ever happened to me. So God took something that was evil in my own personal life, my own destructive life, and turned it into something good. You know, and that's and that's that's how I got started in the Bible. I, I you know nobody you know I've never been to one Bible college, no seminary, no nothing. I've just immersed myself in the Word of God, and just and I do it to this day. I, you know, just because I'm where I am today, I don't stop. I mean, I just engulf his word. I sleep it, I eat it, I drink it, I breathe it. That's all I want to know. And and, and and let me say to the people, that's where you get peace. Now, you, you know, you can have a storm in your life, but you can still have peace in the midst of the storm because the sun is still shining above the rain clouds. The storms, the low pressure will come over the United States and we'll have a bad storm or tornadoes or snow or bad weather, but above that storm, the sun, the S-U-N, is still shining. And I take that in, in my personal spiritual life, though I may be in a storm, the S-O-N, Jesus, is still shining on my life, and I refuse to give up or give in.
That's that's one of the things I thank God uh, he put it in me. I'm a determined man. You know, I, I, I don't accept defeat. I don't embrace failure. Not that I haven't failed, but I just refuse. I, I tell people this all the time. It's a terrible thing to fall. But what is worse is to stay there. Get up, get yourself straightened out, and hold up your chin and say, I'm going on no matter what. I'm going on. And, uh, yeah, you can look behind your your shoulder and, and see wreckage and see carnage and see failure. But remember, that's past. You cannot change the past. But you can sure do something about the present, and you can do something about your future. And, you know, as I, as I said to a young man one time, just start living right five minutes at a time. And then live 10 minutes right, and 15. Get a day under your belt, then get two days, get three days. You, you have to start somewhere. You know, when a man builds a house, the first thing they do, they got to grade off the lot. they got to get all the debris, all the trees, all the stumps. you got to get it cleared off. And then they dig a foundation, a footing, and then they pour concrete, and they start building. And uh, we, we are the building of God, Paul said in Ephesians 2. And we're fitly joined and framed together unto a spiritual habitation for God to dwell in us. And uh, I thank God that he takes the broken pieces of everyone's life. Every one of us have a broken story. Every person has a broken part in their life. I don't care who you are. If you're breathing, you've got brokenness. But God, as he said in Luke 4.18, he said he's sent me to heal the broken heart. He takes all the broken pieces and put them back together. And those scars are just a reminder. You know, I've got some, uh, I got hurt in football. I had six stitches put in my hand playing football. And um, that scar is there. It just, all it does is remind me that I got hurt playing football. Now, there was a piece of glass or something in the field, and when I went down, it went into the, the, the palm of my hand. And um, I can see that scar right now in, inside of my hand. I can look at it right now. It's just a reminder. It doesn't hurt, but it's a reminder that I did get hurt. I did get broken. And, uh, but it's important to, to let the past be the past. And, uh, and, and I want to, I want to encourage this again tonight. I, I know it's, we're almost out of time and Christmas will be here soon, but I can't overemphasize having devotions with your spouse, your loved one. You just don't know how that will strengthen both of you. And it, it creates an element of accountability. You know, as I said, you just can't pray uh, and not do right. You, you'll stop it if you if you start doing wrong. Amen. That is so important. And what you said, Pastor, you're speaking directly to a number of people. I'd like to share this in the in the remaining moments we have with you, Pastor. Uh, one of our listeners and a good friend of the, of the program is a police officer, and he wrote a. a he just wrote me an email, and I've, I, I'm aware of this. Uh, he was involved in an officer-involved shooting this past summer. He ended up taking a life. He ended up taking a life, and um, he was completely in the right. It was a justified shooting. And, and he wrote, and he said, um, if you could have Pastor Langford, please say a prayer for me. I, I'm in a bad place. Um, I've, I've been off work since the shooting. Um, you know, everything was justified, however... It's just, um, it's, it's, I'm having a, the, the mental toll it's been taking on me. It's a dark time. I desperately need to have God in my life and, and help me. And, um, uh, he, go, he goes on, but he said, uh, 
uh, regardless of, you know, what you hear, uh, regardless of uh, what's considered right or legal or, you know, justified, it's a heavy burden upon me. And many people have this, but this is a special, special request for a prayer for him. And, uh, I, you know, Pastor, I mean, it's, it's, it, it just hurts me to talk about this and, and to, to even, uh, to, to share this. I mean, it, it just hurts because I know it's got to be rough for him. But if we can all say a prayer for, uh, for Sean, uh, the, the officer that I'm referring to. Brother, it just, it hurts me to hear the story because I know the devil wants him to carry such a burden of guilt. But he has yeah. to do like any of any other situation. He has to let the past go and forgive himself. You know, I, and, and that's hard. And I, I will pray. I know we're about out of time yes. uh, tonight. But I want to encourage everyone to pray for him. The Bible said pray one for another that you might be healed. Your praying for Sean will help you in your life. That You know, I pray for so many people. I pray for you guys all the time. I have those who I faithfully pray for constantly, and then I pray for people who I don't even know. You know, Paul admonished us in Hebrews 13 to remember those that are in bonds, and uh, and I do that because it's important. And I want I want to encourage people: pick up your prayer life, you know, pick it up, take the time. I don't care if it's but ten minutes. Show God you love Him and you need Him, and He's your only resource in life. And He, you know, He, he is so faithful. If we'll just call out, he will answer, he will mend, and he will heal Sean's broken heart. That's what he came to do. As I said, we all have brokenness in some way. Just like him. It was nothing of his own will or, or, or doing, but life and sin brought him to this intersection, and he had to make a decision. You know? And that's that's a split-second decision. It's either him or the... the uh, the villain. It's just it's that that quick, and you don't have much time to think. Uh, I think it's about a second. Either they're going to kill you, or you're going to kill them. It's just a very very short, compressed time. And I, you know, God bless uh, our officers who are put in that situation constantly. You know, for our safety, our protection. So let's do pray for one another. Amen, Pastor. We, uh, you've taken us to the end of the program, Pastor Langford. Thanks for your Thank you. uh, incredible insight and uh, for what you shared with us tonight. And have a good week. Powerful. Thank you so much. God bless you both and bless the listening audience as well. Good night. God bless you, Pastor. Good Thanks, night, Pastor. That'll do it for us tonight. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless.